here's the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. So if we record that day, I plan to disembowel your little closing once and for all. So stay tuned for the end of this episode, buddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Season 3, Episode 9, Part 3. I just hit record while Coach did not know I was recording. I, <laughs> I hope everybody heard the term disembowel that Coach uh, used for me. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, holy mackerel, Coach. Um, everyone's going to be happy to hear uh, Coach's voice back. Uh, we are going to go over La, La Caruma Fall today, but um, first, I am Coach Castleton. With me, thankfully, as always, back from the races, back from the wars, is Coach Bishop. Oi! Don't be recording when I don't know it. Coach Bishop, it is your birthday today. It is, it is, it is. It's, Happy uh, birthday, Coach Bishop. Thank Hope you. everybody uh, in our listener community and all of our Buttercups. Uh, join me in wishing Coach a happy birthday. He is, uh, in fact, the greatest person on the planet. <laughs> Love y'all. Uh, and then um, uh, uh, with us, uh, begrudgingly, as a very, very like asterisk-based addition to Coach's <laughs> birthday, is, of course, our boss, <laughs> Emily Chambers. I'm just a little bit glad that you let us know that you were recording. I'm not ashamed to admit this, but what I was about to say is that the next text in our group after talking about disemboweling th- uh, Coach Castleton was that I am attending said Summerfest this evening. And listen, I'll own that. I was an emo kid in college. I will take that on. But I am going to something called Sad Summerfest tonight in order to see Taking Back Sunday. So that's the next I like step. It. On the Are front. you going to sort of like really embody it are you gonna wear black are you gonna like make up maybe a little oh my god i have no idea i I can't even think about what outfit i'm wearing yet because it's supposed to be a little bit cooler and i'm gonna need to plan for that and and how much i lean into now middle-aged emo kid um i do know for sure that they're gonna play at least one song where the entire crowd of middle-aged white people are gonna absolutely lose their fucking (laughs) minds whatever that song is (laughs) If it's your so last summer, if it's uh, cute without the eye, or cute, yeah. There's no eye and team. I should learn these uh, song lyrics more before I go there tonight. But yes, we're I, absolutely going to do it. the the Chappelle skit where the white people freak out when John Mayer plays. That's it. That's going to be it. That, lo- that's mm-hmm. a brilliant so sketch. Brother. Brilliant. Yeah, br- I, I like. So I, goddamn good. It was so, good. so on the money <laughs> when the drums. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I think about I that sketch way laughing. too like, much. Yeah, so funny, so good. Uh, yeah, it's boss, really you're gonna good. have to uh, tweet that out uh, so that people listening, because I'll say I'll add it to the show notes, and then our poor listeners will remember I have ADHD and that uh, those things are rarely added. But I, I try, That's I funny. do. When I listen again, I go, "Oh shit!" Sometimes I go back and listen, and and then I remember to do it. Um, yeah, coach, you want to explain the disemboweling comment before people get worried. 
Uh, yes, I, at uh, a point a while back when we were setting schedules, realized that my birthday was going to be on a Friday and threatened to disembowel coach if we scheduled a recording session on my birthday, which I had actually forgotten I had done and uh, boss was kind enough to remind me. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting the tools together and uh, we're looking for a new host. Freedom! I'm going to Wallace. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. You know that would be the funniest way for me to go with this team. It would be, like, disemboweled by his co-hosts. Right. <laughs> on a <laughs> podcast about, about being, being, friend, about yeah, being right, 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 not right. judgmental. Not, non-toxic yeah, masculinity. Yeah, That's how it all played out. It feels like, yeah. You guys are going to have a whole piece on you in the New Yorker pretty soon. <laughs> All right. So Ted Lasso, we uh, we stopped right. Uh, Coach, I don't you. You won't know this, but um, we were we were trying to do your voice on the last podcast. I was not boss. She's actually yeah, she's no. kind <laughs> and thoughtful. I'm like a low key bigot. So that's I was, funny. I was doing <laughs> a lot of funny. hey, man, I was doing a lot of that. Um, and uh, and so what I was doing was uh, trying to trying to intuit what you might say in certain places. And then we got to the place where the jerky fan used a slur. Uh, Isaac freaks out. He gets red card. Everybody's like, what's going on? And then we stopped when I was saying the part I loved about this is that Roy mm-hmm. Kent. Like ushered, you know, helped like usher Isaac pass him into the tunnel. And he and Roy was like. He goes, Oi, get him the fuck out of here. And I was like, Yes, yes. Roy. Yeah. And I was like, yes. that's my boy. I love that. That he was he wasn't like, this is done when my guy is punished. He's also like, no, no, this is like, get his. I don't know what happened, but right, he's but not staying to watch any more anymore football. Yeah. yeah. Something clearly happened. Um, no, I, I loved it. I also got the sense that he had his wits about him enough to do that in part because he's been that pissed before and he easily could have been Isaac if some things had broken differently. Right. So I think he got it. Like he was like, Hmm, <laughs> like I have a pretty good sense of this guy. I've encouraged him to throw chairs. So I know, I think I got a handle on him and he would not be behaving this way if that guy wasn't way the fuck out of line. Um, so yeah, I like, I liked it a lot. So this is actually the part that uh, I said, I'm I'm not going to argue with Castleton, but I might need to reference back to an earlier conversation to drive home a point. So it was actually, um, Castleton did say something similar to that at the end of the last episode that Roy immediately knew this is not how Isaac acts. There's is something that happened with that guy. I need to respond to it. Isaac's feelings are, though, valid, important. And validated by Roy. Like he says, whatever is happening with this, yes, absolutely. In a way that he did not do for Rebecca when Rebecca said, I need you to do the press conference and then was pissed at him when he fucked it up. Oh, okay. Oh, you missed a, you missed a lot here, coach, because I, t- we I took a, a, big, lot, a very yeah. divergent position from, from what, how we've been approaching this. And I don't okay. want to relitigate it because I pretty much won. Um, and, uh, <laughs> if you believe that someone's getting, I think we can all agree. That, yeah. uh, 
I was sort of brilliant. But anyway, yeah. When I when I go up against a boss, I I usually come out on top. I think right. Usually, right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't think we're allowed to talk like that at work anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh God! It's so um, good to have it, you yeah, back. Yes, so we coach. talked about it a there lot. There you go. Really is. It got really real dark much. at the end um, with Boss and I trying to be chipper yeah. about certain elements of the show and no one to. No one to <laughs> Dig us up. Yeah. <laughs> Sign the oh. back out of that. Um, but yeah, so um, after you had said that and I sort of uh, thought on it for a little bit, um, it reminded me of this article that Damon Young wrote for The Root. And I tweeted it. So it, it, it is on my feed. Uh, but it the title is uh, Men Just Don't Trust Women and This is a Problem. Mm. And it's about how... He loves and trusts his wife in so many ways about so many things. She's not going to hurt him. She's not going to cheat on him. She's not going to lie to him. But when she is upset about something and he says, what's wrong? His almost immediate reaction after that is, oh, well, she's overreacting. Like, whatever it is, she's overreacting. Whatever it is. Uh, It's not that he thinks that she's lying about it, but she's making a bigger deal about it than it should be. And what he says is, I've realized that I am interpreting her actions. If she's at an eight, I assume it actually calls for a six. She's doing too much. And so I, I think that there is some, that's why. This sounds like very interesting. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He, he's so generally like, pretty sharp. Yeah. This is specifically around yes. um, like crisis or reactions to, like when he's talking about this, he's not saying across the board she overreacts. He's saying to, to think she's upset about Jim. Right, essentially, that if she seems upset or angry, that he assumes that she's overreacting and that it's and what he says, that I don't say any of these things out loud because I'm not insane. I'm not going to say to her. Right, like, right. Oh, well, I don't really trust what you're saying. But right, okay. right. Yeah. And, and so I think that that is why a part of the conversation that Kasten and I had was Rebecca screamed at Roy for uh, blowing off the press conference for having Beard do it. And then started getting way into too far into Roy's personal life. I totally agree. She should not be yelling at him about his personal life because that doesn't really seem to be pertain to this conversation. And also was like, maybe the the show needed to prep us on that more. But when it comes to her yelling at him about the press conference, she was, she should have spent 20 solid minutes just screaming at him about that and beard. She should have pulled both of them into that fucking hallway Mm. and screamed at them about making uh, embarrassing her in front of the media and acting like assholes and how she's still the boss and still in charge. And he does, Roy doesn't get to decide that he knows better than she does about what she's supposed to be doing with her right. team. Yeah. No, I, I, I all, all those things. I, I think the trust piece, I've not thought about it specifically that way. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like went back in my own mind and I'm like, I think I do that. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I always do that, but I think my my inclination is always it's not calmed. It's like it's almost I don't want you to be this upset about this thing, mm-hmm. but I don't want anybody telling me like this isn't be. Actually, I actively hate it if anybody tells me oh it's not worth it or whatever. I always think that's like the worst thing to tell somebody heading into a fight. Don't say that to me. It's obviously worth it to me. I'm about to fuck this dude up. You got to give me something else. Yeah. You know, if you want me to stop. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, that's really, 
there's a lot to the end. It does happen on the show. There is a sense that you are like, what's your problem? Sometimes in terms of Rebecca, not in tone, but that underlying. Well, actually, I was thinking back to some of the other things when in the first episode of the season, when Rebecca begs Ted to fight back against Rupert in the press. Mm-hmm. And he is one reticent to do that. And then when he does, it's sort of in the Ted mm-hmm. way where he's not fighting back. He's not defending. He is deflecting the insults mm-hmm. by being self-deprecating. Uh, but he doesn't fight. And she tells him right. to fight. And even in the last episode that shall not be named, <laughs> um, there is a validation of Ted's uh, panic about Michelle possibly yeah. getting married, where when he says, I need a private investigator to follow my ex-wife and her new boyfriend to Paris, what we said was not, hey, Ted, that's fucking crazy and weird and you can't do that to your ex-wife. What we said was, oh, don't worry about it, Ted. Like, you're right to be that upset. And we're going to tell you to settle down and like... Rebecca agreed to hire a private mm-hmm. investigator. Even on this show, we didn't talk about what a like huge violation of Michelle's trust that was mm-hmm. because we were so focused on Ted we, feeling we, upset we actually, about it. We did, we, we did allude to it. Well, well we, yeah, sorry, we did. We did, we did yeah, allude to it, but we're yes. But <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, but, we're well, I'll add an example now that we're, we're, we're on this. And I think it's fascinating. Like, I'm really like going in my, like in my own life, I'm going, huh? Maybe, you know, but um, as as that happens, I'll take that to therapy. Um, I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> uh, but the funeral, Rebecca's dad's funeral, Keely is legitimately dealing with death and the idea of Roy's death. And then it's, you know, avenge me, Keely. And then she's really upset. And then after she has said she is really upset, she is angry. She told him that. He comes into the church eating an apple, being a fucking clown. Now I get that he apologizes yeah. ultimately, and I get that in some ways that helped us helped us play with the uh, Keeley, uh, Jamie, Roy triangle some, right? Because you created a little space between them, and we thought, uh oh, is Jamie going to make it into that space? But um, that wasn't. I mean, even even if he yeah. did, even if he hadn't been dealing with his grandfather stuff, even whatever. Someone else tells you they're upset and thinking about what they're going to do with their body when they die. Maybe mm-hmm. not the time for you to uh, work out your new comedy material. Just going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's Read a great one. Read the room, Higgins. Seriously. Uh, uh, yeah, that was not a male female thing, but it's the worst non read of the room that in the entire series when he cracks that joke. <laughs> but we'll get we'll yeah. get to it. I, I want to say that uh, I do not do that to my partner because my partner is terrifying and does not lose her. <laughs> she does not lose her cool. Uh, so like we have like an internal family Slack message board and it goes the other way. Like she'll just, she'll just send me a message in the middle of the day and it'll be like, hi, my love. Do you have a moment to talk? And then I go, holy shit. Ooga, like, like, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. What did I do? <laughs> That's it. That's a, she doesn't have to I lose her cool. I'm the, I'm the lunatic that freaks out and goes to DEFCON 2 every time. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I think that's a, va- a really valid point. And coach, what you missed was that we talked about, um, there's a pivot in there when she's screaming about the, 
about work related stuff, it becomes mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. fine. And then then she just in the middle of it, she's got her mm-hmm. got her she got her jukes up, she's got her got her blood pumping, and then she's like, you know, and then she gives a thing like, why are you doing this? What do you want? It's ponderous. Your whole woe is me act. Like and he was just like, whoa. And mm-hmm. I I contend that we're missing a scene somewhere. Uh, hmm. Before or after, or or a plot line that was like a subplot that was like trimmed a little because he walks out of there pissed. He he doesn't. He's not like because he says, "Is that all?" And she's like, "Yeah." For oh, now. I didn't read pissed. That's interesting. He was like, like look at his face. If you read it again, it's if you watch it again, it is really mm-hmm. interesting to see his reaction to it. He's mm-hmm. still Roy Kent's out with those, you know, the big, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of locked up shoulders as he. Heads out. Anyway, um, we should start uh, this week's episode instead of right, catching you up on what you like. Word, quote, unquote, I was not here. Be yeah. part of because of your quote unquote internet issues. Uh, I spent a lot of time at your expense pretending you were lying. Last all week. right. <laughs> here we go. All right. I also want to say before we start, I want to thank Anya Buttercup Anya in Poland who has sent us a fantastic email. And uh, we were cracking up right before the show because she said um, we asked her for Boom Chicago picks when she was in um, Amsterdam. And she said, uh, you asked for Boom Chicago picks. Here they are. Can you believe I wasn't even planning on going there, but we were just walking back from a bar and walked past it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Uh, Brendan Hunt was actually there at 730 that night. But we, my friend and I, were there at 11 p.m. Ouch. To which everybody Ouch. groaned. Yeah, on the show. Like, oh my God, seriously? It's, it's so close. It is, uh, it's, it's tantalizing. But, uh, we saw the pics. Uh, there's a little video that Anya sent, which is, which is deeply disturbing, uh, with like a fake Ted Lasso doing a running man <laughs> and a Virgin Mary with, with a, what, what appears to be a, uh, well, how would you categorize that, uh, boss? So it's not exactly one of those, do you see a rabbit or do you see a duck pictures, but sort of like it, uh, like a, a drawing. It, it does appear to be the Virgin Mary, but also it appears to be a vagina. It like she's sort of a vagina and then also her vagina area is sort of also uh, a deeper shape. So it's a Mary vagina, not a Christmas one, but like Virgin Mary <laughs> vagina. I'm inventing no, a lot of fun drinks really now. Fun. Uh, so thank you, Anya. Uh, we really loved it. Um, Coach wants to move on. He feels uncomfortable. And, uh, <laughs> and that's it. So we pick up. While we get to the... Um, uh, Arlo says, After all hell broke loose, halftime finally gets underway, and the Greyhounds have much to discuss. And we hit this moment in the locker room where it's just silent for a sec. And I just love the mannerisms of Ted where he looks around. He's trying to like be deferent. Like is, is somebody going to say something. Is no, he's just kind of looking around like, okay, so there's probably someone better suited to lead this discussion. Cause I am, I don't know I what the, the hell dark. is going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I have no idea. Right. All right. And, and then what does he say? Coach. All right. No, one's going to say nothing. Sure. No, I'll, uh, I'll kick it off. Isaac, what the hell happened? Which is, I mean, I love that he says, I'll kick it off because he asked the only question there is to ask because 
seriously, what the hell just happened? We were walking to the locker room, and the next thing we know, right? So, yeah, it was it was the logical thing to do. Um, then you have Isaac, who's clearly still shaken. Like, he is physically shaking with upset anger. Uh, one of our friends said some ignorant shit. Okay, okay. What what did they say? And then uh, Isaac waves them off. And I thought that was an interesting moment. Like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't say, I'm not going to say it. He doesn't, he's, it's almost like, ah, forget it. Right? Which is, a, you know, we mean, ah, forget it. You just, <laughs> you just charge it to the stands. And then Sam comes in. I, I heard it. Okay. He said the F word. I thought, and I love this moment. Uh, Jamie's says fuck this is the, this is the best this is the best moment yeah and then sam says no the other f word the entire locker room goes oh and jamie goes oh fuck like that's that's quality <laughs> that's quality from the writing to the actor yep. to the to the directing to the editor like that joke it could have been fucked up by a number of people and they 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 stuck the landing on that um and then we have. That, well, I don't know if you want me to stop there. No, no, that's really good. No, 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 no. You're doing great. The, the um, right. I loved that, and I would argue, this is what happens to someone like me, who will is it is I'm, I tend to be the, the the fulcrum on this podcast between um, uh, so, someone who who is it, it can uh, be be a little not to say critical, but but analytical about certain things that didn't mm-hmm. work, and someone who's a love fest. So for me mm-hmm. in the middle, I get this, and then the next part, which is which is what happens right after Jamie goes, "Oh fuck!" and and that's a laugh out loud moment, mm-hmm. and everybody knows what it is, but it's like perfectly done, perfect execution. Mm-hmm. And then Higgins says, "What here, boss?" If it helps, the fan has been removed, and and I will apologize for my dad. Now that is amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That, that is coming yeah. right on the heels of see oh, that yeah. season one good to me. That that mm-hmm. um, that the execution is so good, and mm-hmm. it's such a um, it's such a ballsy writing move and and performing move. To we've said this before, where you think uh, I'm trying to think of the last time we did it um, was somebody Roy was screaming something, and I was like, oh, you think this is the joke. But this is just oh, like sets up the, the next, the you know joke. what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. like that actually is two. These are two t- I, I sort of independent jokes. But the mm-hmm. fact that they're stapled together is so ballsy. And it mm-hmm. may ultimately have killed the second joke in a way. Because the first joke was so good and so obvious that right, the, right. the second joke was just a little bit of a thinker. May not have landed for everybody. But if it did land for you, I was like, hot damn, that's good. Um, and I apologize for my dad. I, well, I also, for me, there was the, and this is a bit much, but there was the context of the text from his dad. So in a way, part of what I enjoyed about the joke was (laughs) were his dad there, he might be the person to say some shit that would make you charge it to the stands. So it added a little bit of texture to the joke for me. But at any rate, the, the locker room was not ready for that. No. They're not, and he says, "Sorry, not time for jokes." Ah, read the room, Leslie, and I'm like, "That is, that's funny. That's funny." Yeah, yeah, I no, laugh. it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "God damn!" Uh, 
okay, okay, I get it. Uh, uh, look, look, uh, Isaac, look, what the guy said is excusable, all right? But man, uh, your reaction ain't, ain't going to be taught in any Tibetan monasteries anytime soon. You know Love what I'm that. saying? Love that. What a Ted Lasso way of saying you can't be losing your shit like that. But also, like, I think sometimes when somebody's truly pissed off, like, direct is not the best, right? Like, it's a kind of, you got to approach them like a wounded animal a little bit. And I thought that it was a way of saying, like, dude, you lost your shit without getting in a back and forth with him about it, you know? I, I just want to call out the performance, a physical performance of Colo Bikini because as Isaac, oh, because absolutely. you look at him, right? And I feel like that could be just me, but I'm watching him. And I love how he brings his brow really far down when he, he does a thing with his face that's so amazing. When he's when he's mad, he has an ability to really lower his brow. And then when he smiles, somehow he elevates it and his whole face lights up. And he's got this beautiful smile. So we don't see the smile in this case. But I always feel like when I watch him and he's and he's like bent over when he waves head off and he's like sort of huddled over into himself. I also feel like if you approached him and put your hand out, you could feel the heat coming off his skin. <laughs> like that's that's how yeah. how well of uh, 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 that he shows this sort of rage. You know, he just like sort of physically embodies the. It, I fully believe it. Like he looks as pissed as like you know. Sometimes you see some some of them playing pissed. Right. No, no, like, no. Eh, he, this, yeah. You know no, what I mean? I bought it. Like, this dude's pissed. Um, uh, they say, uh, I think it's Jan Ma says, number one man down. Sam says, yeah, Isaac, come on, man. It's nothing we haven't heard before, which is so interesting. It, it's so, if we could pull that out and just talk about Sam being like mm. the voice of like rational acceptance of bigotry, mm. <laughs> he'd just go, mm-hmm. oh my God, like what? It's it's horrible in a way, you know, that Sam is that has that voice. Boss, you got something to say? Well, actually, it, so it was that part that at least made me recognize that Isaac had heard these things beforehand, and they weren't an issue for him until he realized that he personally knew somebody who was being called that at the time. I'm not saying that that shouldn't have changed things for him, but I think about how often Colin must have been called the F word and wasn't able to respond in the way that Isaac was. And that there is a weird level of privilege in being straight and not having to think about how impactful that would be until it personally affects you. And this happens all the time with a bunch of shit. Like, you know, your kid comes out as gay and all of a sudden now. And we talk about this all the time. Humans do not have the capacity to understand like, a th- uh, hundred thousand people get killed in a flood on the other side of the world. And you're like, oh my god, that's terrible. And then your friend loses their cell phone, and you're like, holy fuck, I'm so sorry. Like it- it's a totally different thing. And we also spoke about this about how Isaac, uh, strangely, was the voice. He was the hardliner with regard to uh, naked pictures coming out. He was the hardliner before mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. even the Keeley stuff. He was like, no, we don't. He was really on what on point. But then once the Keeley stuff came out and every uh, the chickens came home to roost, then he's like, right. that's it. Everyone delete your. So I don't think this is a departure. But... No, not a departure, but just that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You Sorry, got go it, ahead, coach. Well, it, no, not a departure, but just that it. 
like, ideally what would have happened is Isaac would not have needed to rush the stands because security already would have been pulling that guy out. Like, the way that it should be is if you use slurs, even at a football match, you are going to be kicked out. Like, that should be societally what we accept and nothing worse. It just feels odd that... Sam specifically pointing out, we've all heard this before, means none of us have reacted in a way that says that it's wildly unacceptable until our feelings were involved in it. And that does feel a little bit different. No, I I, I hear you on that. And I think there's a... I think there's a way in which we can sometimes say, oh, that's that's terrible. And move Mm -hmm. on to lunch. Mm -hmm. And... um, it, for some, and not for some reason, I mean, there's some parallels, but it's a kind of a weird pull. Um, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. Shocking. And um, there's a there's a point at which the team's starting to, you know, get along a little better and they win a game and they're going to go out on the town and they decide they're going to go in this place to eat. Yes. And um, one character who's white, but, you know, from California, so it probably has a little more sense of yes. things of being cool, is like, yeah, let's go eat in this place. And basically, they refuse service because they're not about to be a party to integration. And I just, man, like, the the anger the black guys felt, I got, because there is a level of, why don't you get how it is like you live in this motherfucking country too it's just striking you that some places i don't get served um and i think you know i do feel that because i thought one great choice they made was colin being the person who was directly in front of him when the guy yells Mm -hmm. the f word right because then colin hears it hates it chokes it down and goes to the locker room and he's worked on that shit for pretty much all his years. So he's good at it, you know? And I think it really shows that for Isaac, like, as if this is, like, a new jarring sensation. And to Colin, it's like, yeah, that's called fucking game day, man. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and uh, like, uh, again, I know that this is human nature. I am not criticizing Isaac for reacting that way. I do think, like, hey, Isaac, uh, eat. Even if you were that furious, you cannot go into the stands and beat up a yeah. fan. Like you, it is yeah. absolutely yeah. unacceptable. You cannot do that. I don't know anything about sports, and I still know about the malice at the right. palace when we saw mm-hmm. the videos of them going up to the stands. And, and I know that that was actually significantly worse for the players than the media at the time made it seem. Like there's a lot to all of this, but. The fact that we're like, oh, it makes sense that he would go and try to punch a fan because he heard it. Like, he's right, but also we can't really. Well, well that's that the go. thing. I think we you can't. can't allow it, right? Like, so you do, you have to have a bright line rule. Right. And I, yes. But I, I remember, I'm, I may have told this story before, but I had a kid get in a fight in a game. And he was 100% defending his teammate. Like, it was, you know. And he comes off and he's like, you see what he did? And I sat him down. I was like, I understand. You are not in trouble with me. But right now I need you on the field. And instead you are over here next to me. Right. And I I think like for Colin, you know, that they have to play a man down and whatever. I think 
to 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 keep your head about you in the in those moments. But yeah, we, I think we can say both. We get it, and yeah, that dude shouldn't be saying that. And Isaac cannot happen. I think both things uh, can be true. As as the chaotic good aligned representative on the podcast, I will say like, yes, you, you cannot have it in quotes. But also, <laughs> I'm like. Man, every once in a while, just to keep the 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 troglodytes at bay. Unfortunately, in this world, and, and this is why you know we talk. Uh, God, I've I've beat this drum so much about how much social control there is in hockey, and why it's the only sport where they police themselves, and why fans who value that love it. You know, we took a couple weeks off on the podcast, and I had to do a lot of driving and. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was quote unquote vacation, but, uh, I was Roger tending to, uh, Juliana's, um, elderly parents and, uh, I need a whole love hound session to, to talk about that. How are they the most wonderful uh, people in the world? Like really, like I, I hit the jackpot with my in-laws. Um, but Juliana's dad is on a, in a walker now needs a lot of help getting up, going to the bathroom and all kinds of stuff. And he's, he's the best dude ever. Like one of my favorite people I've ever met in my life. So gladly do it. Um, but, uh, ch- sort of changes the nature of vacation a little bit. And, um, when I, um, had to drive to these places, I can't tell you how many times you would be like properly in a, in like a long line of traffic waiting to get off the exit and some prick in a Range Rover or a BMW or whatever, mm-hmm. somebody who is certain that they mm-hmm. do not have to wait. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I was thinking like, you know what, like, Waze has has probably you know the 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 app Waze, which allows you to show where speed traps are. Uh, this is this is very domestic. Sorry for people listening from outside the country, but I'm like, I bet that has annihilated the the uh, speed trap. Um, you know how they use that as like a means of to raising budgets and raising money and stuff. I'm like. I mean, I can't imagine. Not that every single person's on Waze, but I would think it's done. It's decimated the income from that. Yeah. And I was like, why don't you just put a cop at exits and just pull over every son of a bitch who thinks they're better than everybody else? I just don't understand. But it's like every single one. There's 30 people that cut 600 people off. And I'm like, that's why is that okay? That's the thing that drives me absolutely crazy. And then if you go back to my reference of um the show uh, uh and i've definitely posted this in the show notes before um the show mr in between australian show where he says there's you know he says i beat these guys up because they're being assholes and his therapist says the, the whole world is full of assholes right like he says yeah and you know why because everyone lets him get away with it and so when boss yeah. references that she is an asshole for good this is what we're talking about because like at, where are the lines like who is going to knock out the fan that yells that and, and gets away with it. Like he's got to not get away with it on some level. And it looked like, at least in this case, it, it, it was Isaac rushing the stands. And the last point I'll make is yes, you can't have Isaac rushing the stands. And I understand all that on the, on the, when we're talking about, okay, now that Isaac knows, um, Oh, you know, he, he like, he's like been living in a dream world where all of a sudden, Oh, now you realize that you, this is how it's always been. But I'm like, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because it gives us the hope, which kills you, frankly. But it gives us the hope that like once people are informed, then they'll see it that way. And this is probably one of the 
Hmm. best things about hope and the worst things about hope is that you think like sometimes I know like politically, if you have people that are on a different side of things, you're like, oh, I have the hope that if I just educate them or if I just explain what this person might be going through, that they'll see it. It'll, it'll, it'll you know, light will dawn and they'll go, OK, yeah, whatever. And then they'll take it as seriously as Isaac took this once he was made aware of it. And it doesn't always go that way. But I think it's a beautiful thing when it does, because now Isaac is passionate about it. Um, if albeit he's late to the game now i i think i'd like to add a layer um and and this is what this is the layer for me yes to all that and i think he is like hey my friend just heard that like he's he's navigating some things i also think he's upset with the part of himself that is upset that he didn't know his friend was gay. And a, I think a bit of that, yes, he's saying, I don't want to hear that shit, but I think it's also, I don't want to be that shit. And that's a good maybe thing. That's, I a, have that's a great thing, right? No, no, no. I think it's a great thing, but I don't think that guy needs to get punched in the face for it. Like, that's that's his shit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, okay, listen. Okay, I'll give a perfect example. I was absolutely, uh, I'm going to say unaware, but like significantly less aware about racial issues before you and I became friends. Before you started to like very slowly drag a moron <laughs> into the light. Right? And I, I was, old, it wasn't like I was like never trying to understand, but like no. I didn't get it, yeah. get it, get it. Okay. Right, right, and I'll right. point to this one time where everyone was watching Monday Night Football. And um, I'm just watching this thing with with new eyes, let's say, right? And I'm seeing it was Denver Broncos playing the uh, Carolina Panthers, and I'm watching Cam Newton get hit after the whistle. I've mm -hmm. never seen anybody get hit like this in my life. You got mm -hmm. guys rushers coming off the edge. He had no mm -hmm. offensive line. He's taking mm -hmm. head to head shots on every single play. He is standing up wobbling, and I am losing my mind because. So then I write this article for Pajaba saying, this is just plain fucking racism. And I remember talking to you about it and you were like, like, you were like, oh God. And you were so thrilled in a way because you're like, I can't, I was talking to you and Kwame about it. Uh, one of mm -hmm. one of our great friends in a fantasy football this. league. You remember this? And I was saying like, if that's Tom Brady, they get one hit, one hit. And then that's it. They start throwing people out of the game. But because it's a yeah. big black guy, right. hit him all he want. And no one's it. calling it out. So it takes a white guy to, mm. to, to go play this race card or, or or call it out because in our society, Orlando can't. Coach can't go up and, hey, because they go, oh, here's another angry black man, you know, mm -hmm. playing the race card unnecessarily. But now, no, if it's a white man who's like, wait the fuck, <laughs> wait a minute, like, <laughs> what are we looking at here? It was it was horrible to watch. Right. And, and But if you don't have the eyes to see it and if you're not tuned in. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. In this very specific case, it's it's like that. I'm, that's me running into the stands and being like, "No, no, fuck this!" Like someone's got to say something about this. Yeah. And uh, you know, it it it, it just I think it's I think I don't know. Sometimes you got to run. You know, granted, I'm not physically assaulting anybody, but I'm no, but called out you. all kinds of people and the refs and the in the league and mm -hmm. you know, like it's it's terrible to watch. Mm -hmm. No, I hear you. 
Well, I think the fact that you said that you're not physically assaulting somebody is the difference for Mm. me. And even more to the point, the bigger difference to me isn't that Isaac punched somebody. It's that it seemed like Isaac lost his cool, which is the part that I'm very much objecting Mm. to. There, um... I, I don't know if everybody else uh, has Isaac, watched Isaac, Veronica Mars. For the record, real, real quick, I, I want to hear that because I love Veronica Mars, but Isaac did not punch anybody also. Remember I, he I, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I, use, yeah, I, use, I use that phrase, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't punch him. But yeah. But he did physically assault. But yes. I, I no, know that because if he punched him, that dude would have been dead. That guy looked like he was made oh, of jello sure. and balsa wood. And if one punch from Isaac would have would have like sent this guy out of the stadium like a Pele uh, shanked kick. So, yes, that's... <laughs> no, it, it, uh, I feel like there is something about the running up, the grabbing a shirt. I feel like if this had happened in real life, it probably would have been a punch and it probably would have been him losing his cool. And I can't... I can't get... I can't get behind physically assaulting somebody because they are so out of line that they need to be. I am against doing it when you're out of control. Yes. Uh, to wit, uh, in Veronica Mars, Logan Eccles, the, um, you know, basically bully turned lover, because this is how TV shows in the early aughts worked. Um, his entire arc is about how he loses his fucking cool and he punches people and he does stupid things and he beats people up because he can't keep his shit together. And in the third season, he shows such tremendous growth that when one of his buddies physically assaults Veronica, the love of his life, instead of losing his mind and freaking out about it, he intentionally beats up a cop car with a baseball bat so that he could be put into the same jail cell as the assaulter and beat the shit out of him there. And I'm so wildly proud of him for doing that, for understanding he needed to go through the steps. Uh, Don't just go beat ass. Figure out your plan and then go beat ass. Logan is is universally beloved, by the way, also. Yeah, like... Wait, what'd you say, Coach? (laughs) I said that point was my birthday gift from Boss. Like, thank you. That was like, oh my God. I'm so aligned with that. That that is perfection. Yes. Yes. Yeah, make a plan and then go beat ass. But you got to think it's the difference first. between response I, I and am- reaction. I actually, seriously, I, th- I, I, I'm serious when I say, yeah, I think that's a real thing. If, if you decide to take that course, to me, that is totally different than just losing your shit and just flailing about yes. and hurting and- whoever's standing there. Yeah, and I feel like when you're out of control like that, it can be very scary for them and for everyone else around right. you. If I know somebody is capable of violence, but it's controlled. I actually trust them like significantly more than somebody that just flips their mm. fucking lid. So Jamie Tart uh, at this point says, exactly. It's just poop. Ignore it, man. And Isaac jumps up. Ignore it. I don't want to fucking ignore it. What if one of us is gay, huh? And then he says, my favorite thing. I want this T-shirt. We shouldn't have to deal with this shit. And he, and he just st- strides up and i'm like we shouldn't have to deal with this shit i could say that about roe v wade i'm thinking like a hundred things in the modern world i'm like why why is this on my i don't i did not want my adult years to be stolen by worrying about any of the school shootings you know like 
kleptocracies. I'm like, why? Why? Why is this in my brain pan? I'm like, this has to be a simulation designed to uh, see if it can make us go crazy. Um, uh, someone the other day was like, I heard. Where was I? Uh, the Jersey Shore, in a in like a Acme supermarket, and I heard someone say to someone else just walking by, name one thing that's getting better. And I don't know what anyone. I don't oh, know what, what the answer was, but I was like, uh, they were very convinced of, they said, just name one thing about the world that's getting better. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I could come up with answers, but I also very much feel the energy in that question. I mean, I, I yeah, I get it. I get, I get how someone would go, yeah, go ahead, mm-hmm. name it, go ahead. And yeah, it can, right. it can just feel that way. Like the feeling can feel that way, yeah. is definitely, you can feel like one thing after another and you go, Jesus Christ. Wow, man. Fuck. You know, it, so I am very rarely the Pollyanna on this podcast, but I would like to mention that uh, millennials of which I am one are the first generation that have not skewed more conservative as they've reached 35. So as right? more before that, yeah, before that, every generation, like in their 30s, 40s, became significantly yeah. more conservative. And we have stayed, as a group, it. fairly progressive, fairly liberal. So I am not saying that that is going to fix everything or that it's uh, making things better right now. But it is a small glimmer of hope that apparently millennials and Gen well, Z yeah. are not No, that's really that. promising. In an interesting way, the, those who would have wanted to kept those who have wanted to keep things as the status quo may very much regret the, the, the greed and the income inequality and the student loan, you know, um, preying on people and all that. Because I think probably some of what got people to get more conservative is they start to get some of that shit. They start to have a nice house. Oh, they yeah. start to have, but you, millennials and, and Z are like, what the fuck? Like I'm, <laughs> Like, I don't have anything yeah. more than I had 10 years I'll, ago. I'll, I'll never this place. Right. They, there yeah. was a whole article about, yeah. oh, uh, I'm sure there are many of them, but one, I, it was in the Times or something like, you know, millennials are like, I'll never own a house. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was an article about how millennials destroyed the housing market because we couldn't afford to Imagine. buy homes. And I'm like, how yeah. the fuck? Are we blamed yeah. because we don't that's, have the money to buy your shit? The nerve, the nerve of those. The audacity. Fuck the nerve. Yeah, God, millennials ruin everything. The, I mean, everything. We've ruined golf, the diamond industry. Um, do, you, do, you know how much, do you know how much time because... we could spend just talking about golf, what's going on in golf? Oh, I have none. I have none. views. No, none. Oh, we can God. spend, we can spend yeah. none time. <laughs> that's, yeah, Look, that's I'm not, just saying. But I, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, ooh, I have views. Ooh, I have views. <laughs> And I mean golf, like why? But I'm telling. Oh, I know, I know, I know. We could talk about. I, uh, I would love one of these days, Coach. We should do a golf episode because my take would be about the, the families where the husband goes like Saturday and Sunday to go golfing all weekend, and I, and I, and I go what? Like I, I, I it, rock. Anyway, we'll talk. We'll, 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 we'll think about. It. Maybe that'll be a very special episode. Um. I don't want to fucking ignore it. What if I was gay? We shouldn't have to deal with this shit. Isaac Storm's out. All right. Uh, and then these guys. Uh, okay. Then is, I don't know if it's my favorite 
my favorite thing in the entire Ted Lasso series, but I know it's the thing that I never, I never, the sun never goes down on this joke for me, if that makes any sense. This one little interaction, it's so loaded between Jamie and Sam. Um, so Jamie, we get an insert of Jamie. He's pointing to Sam. Uh, when Isaac storms out, he slams the captain's armband onto Sam and leaves, right? And Jamie's got like, hey, Sam, like, you think like, you think like maybe I should have the. <laughs> I love it so much. And and Sam, oh, he like mouths, you know, mouths along. Oh, you think like they holds it up. Like you think that like this one, like maybe you and Jamie's like, yeah, like Jamie thinks like maybe he's making some, some progress with it. <laughs> like that Sam's like, oh, on in it with him. And then Sam, huge smile. And gives great. him the finger. And I. <laughs> so great. Oh my God. It's like my Patronus. I can't. It is so fucking brilliant. I. Oh my God. And this is a very short period of time. We're talking three rock solid home run level jokes, or at least two with Higgins being a, a ground rule double. Um, but it's a home run for me. But I understand if people were a little late on it. But I'll add, I'll add into it. It's so, like the best jokes anywhere, but certainly on Ted Lasso. It's so rooted in character. This is these are two people, by the way, who one insulted the other by saying by insulting his father and calling him an unathletic blah blah blah. Then, in the most vulgar terms, talking about dropping his mother on Maradona's. Dick, like that's a thing that happened in this room yes. we're in now. Yes. And these two are now friends enough that one gives the other the bird, and they it's a it's a it's a laugh. Like it's not you know what I mean. Like Jamie really did want the armband, but he's not like fuck me, you know, fuck you. Like it's the way friends do that, and I just that's a long way to travel. We we probably don't do enough justice to talking about the the Sam and Jamie arc. Cause we, we are so enamored with the Roy and Jamie arc. We got, I'm just saying we definitely, definitely uh, deserve to, uh, or we don't, the show deserves more conversation about how beautiful that arc has been. It was repugnant. What, how Jamie treated Absolutely. Sam. And then you meet his dad and you go, Oh, Oh, this is all he knows. Like he, has no positive role model, uh, male role model. He thinks this is how all men are. Um, not that that's a that that uh, exonerates him, but it certainly help goes a long way to explain the origin of how he started to treat Sam. Um, so this was beautiful. This moment, exactly right. Well said, Coach. Completely rooted in character. And and I'll just say about that last piece. You know, you have to you have to give people an alternative too. Um, you have to, in my opinion, we, you have to say, um, this is another way to be. And I think Jamie has been shown another way to be. And I think it's something that maybe we could look at and I don't know how we fully do it. I mean, the number of times, and I don't say this name on this show a ton because it's uh, a bombshell always, but I've said about Trump on so many occasions Jesus Christ, if his father had just fucking hugged him. Like, all this goddamn trouble throughout the world yeah. because his fucking kid didn't get a hug. And I, I I, wonder how in our more immediate lives we can be making sure that kids experience 
kids in general, but boys specifically, experience that there are men out here who are as tough as you want to be and are as present, whatever, but who can be present and show some love and not, you know, throw cleats at your head. Not because you didn't win, but because you didn't win on your own without being a good teammate. Um, So anyway, something that I definitely think about. (sighs) Yeah, well said, Coach. We were walking... uh uh, so my daughter is in an aerial yoga class where they use silks that hang from the ceiling and they do these spinning aerial yoga things. Oh, wow. It's super cool. Um, so they do it in this building that I always brag about in my town. There's a huge old mill building. Um, you know, one of those vast, you know, like, like defies reason how big they built a building to, to house machinery or whatever. And then they, some brilliant person who I don't know, I wish I could call them out by name, but they came in and turned the whole thing into the coolest lofts and, and, and coffee shops. And like, it's, it's phenomenal. So when my LA friends come, I bring them to coach. Did I ever bring you down there? I don't know. Cause you don't count as like a friend necessarily, but like, that's funny. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I think, bring like some of our snootier friends and their I wives. Think that's the place we went to for breakfast. No. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't remember if we went. But anyway, I bring them down there because they go, Jesus Christ, like this little small town outside Boston is like hopping. Like this is amazing. And so we were at this area. I'm like, it's very progressive. There's a lot of progressive moms. You know, like, you know, it's not, it's, it's aerial yoga camp. The, 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 the smattering of parents you're going to get for that are, are not your, your standard parents. So, very excited, lo- lovely people walk out, and then right across the street, there's this little car dealership where a guy has paid money to make a banner that says Trump was right about everything. <laughs> and I, it was so funny because I was talking with the kids, we we're laughing. Bah, 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 hey, kids, bah, bah, and, I, and I just like stopped. It was like someone turned off the volume on me, and I'm just standing, staring straight across. And, and in a science fiction movie, like my nose would have started to bleed or something. And like the kids are like, dad, dad, snap out of it. Like, cause I'm just staring at this being like, what response can I, should I go knock on the door and be like, could you tell me one thing? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But right. um, I was like, wow, wow. Like, wow. Right. Right across from aerial yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, that's it. Now the kids doing aerial yoga. What's, what's next? You know? <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, um, uh, after Isaac heads out, uh, Ted rightly decides, okay, I got to go. I got to go do, do something. And he's like, whatever. And he takes a step to be the coach. He's supposed to be similarly to when, uh, because guys in general, if you think about the show, guys don't generally storm out of something. The last time was, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm, if I'm forgetting something, but was when Sam sw- swore and took off and then Sam right, coach obviously follows him and, and it has to get to the bottom of it. So Ted's about to do this. And there's right, this great right, little right. beat. I just love the, the mannerisms and the, um, the physicality of it. Cause Ted's like trying to think he's got, he's like, Oh shoot, I guess I should. And then Roy like just holds out a, a thing and, and gives him a thumbs up. Like, is it, okay? is it cool if I do it? And Ted's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just loved every little part of that inter- interaction. And so Roy goes into the total coaching. Yeah. To, right. Yes. Uh, Roy goes in the boot room, and and again, Colo Bikini. I just no, get out, Roy. I don't, I don't need you to come in here. Just leave me alone. Just fuck off, yeah. I fucked up. Just fucking fuck off. Leave me alone. Remind you of anything? <sighs> oh, oh, he didn't pick up on it either. Boss is with me. Uh Roy and Keeley, season one. 
he knows how Isaac feels because he knows how he felt. And he does the same wounded animal, right, to keep you away. And just like Keely showing him the love he needs right then, he walks right through it. He walks right through it. I mean, it's, it's the same setup, you know. Um, he says, "I don't need you to start yelling at me." Mm-hmm. And and Roy very calmly, a la Keely, right? He says, mm-hmm. "I'm not here to yell at you." Just sits down next to him. Man, man. I mean, just model good behavior. You know what I mean? Like then other right. people can pick up. They can go. Oh, here's a here's a way to do it. I know we 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 avoid talking about. Um, some some bummer things on the show, but like I talk about how I had a really terrible divorce, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, um, I don't want my kids to see this as the only type of relationship there is, or the mm-hmm. primary relationship in their life. And I have nothing against their their uh, their mom, my ex wife. Wish wish her the best. I actually want her to be wildly happy and thriving. I don't, that's not the thing. Is just yeah. it just doesn't work. I don't want them to see that. I don't want them to see. This is the primary thing. And it happened like it's so crazy for people that are going through it. We have some friends who have written in listeners uh, talking about how, how much it's helped them to hear about somebody else's divorce. Um, it's always nice to hear your divorce isn't as bad as mine also. because Mine was a doozy. <laughs> mine was a doozy. Um, but but um, I will tell you that uh, 10, 15 years later, the kids literally thanked me for it. They said, uh, oh, it's wow. so nice to know like they because they're like between me and juliana they're like there's a great relationship total respect love respect kindness friendship all the things i wanted them to see and they recognize it and so now that they're starting to date and do their own things they're like they have standards that they wouldn't have otherwise had and they have Hmm. uh, they have a uh sort of an outlook that's ingrained in them like i i am worthy of being treated x way you know certain you know they have a standard whatever that is which is which they wouldn't have had and so this is Roy sitting down saying, uh, okay, no, I actually, I know that I shouldn't yell in this issue because somebody has, has, has been a pathfinder for me in this particular right. situation. And, and so, uh, it's just great. It's great. And, and if you're the one that has to break the chain, mm-hmm. you might be doing it for more than just yourself. You might be doing it for God knows how many people down the road who follow your lead. Absolutely. And I think it leans into boss's point earlier around whether you're doing something because you lost your shit or you're doing something because you're doing it consciously. Because I wouldn't say that, you know, the whisper gentle version is always the right version. (laughs) There are times when he needs to be Rory Kent saying you're going to run the whole practice and I hope you do hate me. Right. And that's and that's fine, too. I think there's something about being present and aware of what's needed. Um, and I'm not going to hit the total note, you know, a thousand times this episode, but in that way too, I think there's, you know, what, what do I want? I want, I want Isaac to, if I'm Roy, I mean, I want Isaac to one, never do that again. And two, deal with whatever it is that has put him in this state where he's that much of a powder keg. Does yelling get me closer to that? Probably not. Then don't do it. It's not don't do it because it's not nice. That's fine. That's for another discussion, though. I'm saying don't do it because it's going to be ineffective. He walks in there. He starts screaming. 
It's exactly what Isaac expects. He shuts down or he yells back or they square off or what. And it's like, what, what are we doing here? What are we actually trying to accomplish? Um, and that's for me sometimes what gets lost when, when people behave in, 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 you know, in anger or violence. It's not like that it's, oh, it can never happen as far as I'm concerned. It's, but what were you trying to accomplish? Like, what was it you were trying to do? And does that get you any closer? And if it doesn't, then don't do it. <laughs> like, even if it's going to feel good, like, yeah. just don't. Now, if it does, new conversation. Yeah. I I um I hate the idea, the concept, the very fact that tough love exists, especially for children or or for your children, that your parenting would require tough love. Not mm-hmm. because parents can't yell or can't, you know, uh talk about punishment and consequences and all of those other things, but tough love is usually when parents say I'm going to withhold the thing that my child needs in order to convince them to act differently. And then I will give them what they need. That's horrible. Don't do that. Don't. If they need you to be comforting, then you have to be comforting. And if they need you to set them straight and say, like, you can't fuck around like this and do this shit, then do that. Like, give them what they need. But the idea of I'm going to treat you in a way that is going to be worse for you until you figure out how to fix yourself. That, that's a, that's certainly a virgin version of it. Uh, that's like, they're, they're, it's not, all, I, I, because I should, there are yes. versions of tough love that are like, um, uh, oh, I would normally default to what's easy or kind or whatever, but I know that you need to go through this. Like, for example, I want to quit karate, right? Is tough love. Sure, you can quit karate or it's tough love. You know what? We made a commitment. I want to teach you about responsibility. You're going to have to finish the session. You don't ever have to do it again, but you have four more sessions you have to go to. It's not, that's a version of tough love. It's not saying, you know what I mean? You're teaching them something. I know because I run up run up against this all the time and I agree with you about, I don't want to be withholding. I don't want to have them, right. the version that you're articulating and very accurately too is terrible. But there are certainly other, I guess, wings of that building <laughs> where where I know you say like, listen, I, 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 it would be simple, good. I don't want to drive you to karate. Fuck it, let's let's cancel. That's awesome. I I regain all my time. But then you, what you go, you made a commitment. We as a team, like I remember my son uh, never played. Sp- I talk about how my kids just don't love sports, and uh, I have this whole sports room in the barn full of every piece of equipment, every piece, I mean, everything, all the sports I played and then all the stuff I've accumulated, anticipating how much they'd all want to go play lacrosse with me uh, and nothing. And so my son uh, signed up for flag football. He's 13 and great. He started playing and it wasn't like, it was fine, but he didn't love it. And after a couple things, he's like, you know, I don't really love it, but then he kind of toughed it out. And then at the end, I said, hey, we're signing up for the fall. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't like it. But I, I know that if I had said I want to quit, you would have said, we just got to stick with it because we gave our word and you're a member of this team and teams are important and your responsibility. He's like, he li- listed off everything I would That's have funny. said. Right. Yeah. So like, it's just like he had, a, he had it like on lock. Uh, but so he just did. So I'm like, okay, that's a version of, you know. He knows what I would what I would say in that situation. And that's a version of tough love where it's like he knows I wouldn't let him wriggle mm. out of his commitment. I think. Oh, I, yeah. And I I feel like I would. No, no, no. You're totally fine. I, I feel like I wouldn't qualify that under the tough love that I've seen exhibited. I, that feels like 
you're being a responsible parent and teaching your kids how to be responsible people. So I wouldn't qualify that as tough love. But yes, that version of things, absolutely. It's more so the like, my son who is struggling with drug addiction hasn't responded to my other things. So I'm going to give him tough love and make him homeless. Like that feels like right. the shitty the part. First, the first one feels right. like my life is Ted Lasso and that version you're talking about is like shameless. You know, it's like, it's like basically we're talking about two different shows here, boss. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah, why. Mine's a Disney musical over here. So yes, it didn't have a, here. I think I'm talking about tough love and you're like, oh, that's adorable. That's adorable. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. All right. So, um, uh, what the fuck was that all about? Colin, do you know? And Colin shakes his head and Bumbercatch says, guys, it's pretty obvious. Isaac's gay, right? And they all go, oh. And Jan Moss, well, so statistically speaking, 10% of the population is homosexual. So it's not su- that surprising. Beard says, there are probably more people in this room who are gay. And then another, another phenomenal moment. Um, and Chef's everybody face. looks at everybody looks at Jamie slowly, you know, just a really I thought it was very, very well done because, again, something about coverage in this show, it's very interesting from a camera perspective. You would think they would have a camera set up like by the by the uh, whiteboard and and have a wide shot of the room. So we would see every head turn. But we don't have that. We have these little inserts and yet they still make it work, which is a trick. I'm telling you. As someone who has had to put these together, it is a trick to not have that wide view. It was like you have the coaches, an insert of the coaches. They turn their heads left. You have guys from across look across the, the way. You have um, – who was it? McCracken, I think, was sitting next to uh, uh, Jamie who turns to face him, right? <laughs> Jamie, Jamie says, what, boss? I'm flattered. Yeah. Puts his hand I on his chest. I loved that moment it worked for me that worked on like so many levels <laughs> like it was so far from what you would expect from the like quote-unquote classic locker room he-man space um i thought it was funny because jamie does do the um there are guys who do their good looking thing like, he's doing his good looking, but some of it is the is like a little bit playing with like what we think of as feminine stuff. So he's always with this hair. And so like, I get, you know, why they were like, well, if we were going to pick a guy in here, who does the most grooming, you know? Um, But he could have been like, I'm not gay. And then the whole thing falls apart. Right. Yes. That's exactly why it's, uh, there's no dirtiness to it. There's no stigma attached to it. He's like, holy fuck. You think I'm like, uh, I've that kind of fashion sense. Jesus Christ! Thank yeah, you. Like, my, 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 my skincare uh, regimen must be really working. Yeah, like yeah, it's all the best yes. things. And you go, ah, oh, so I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Now, granted, I'm a heterosexual man. I don't know. Maybe from maybe there's a way to view it where it's not great. But I'm like, I think this is great. I think we're all all together mm-hmm. on this. this. Is wonderful. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love this moment. There are several moments uh, strung together here in this scene that are just fantastic. Um, guys, guys, we don't need to discuss any further. All Isaac needs now is our support. Yeah, that's our captain. All right, fellas, let's focus on the second half. Uh, know what? We got it. And then Colin says, what? Coach. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Isaac's not gay. And cut. 
very dramatic. Um, I, I, throughout this, it, you kind of see it building up, one, especially once Bumbercatch says, ah, I got it. Because um, I think Colin realizes, <laughs> okay, now this thing is really going to take a left. Like, this is going to get insane. Um, and, and I really liked they didn't stay here. I think, you know, talk about PSA. Oh, really? man, you're about to I get think, flamed on your birthday. You like <laughs> No, 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 no. I did. And here's what I was like, well, what actually wow. were they going to show? Right? Like, if they show, I, 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 I kind of felt like if they stay here, you're going to get after school special. You have to. Okay. Anything other than after school special, Wait, I think, would ruin what they're trying to do otherwise. Imagine this. I'll give you an alternate perspective in the Ted Lasso universe. Imagine this. Nate the Great is standing up in front of Roy Kent. Roy Kent crumples up his speech and says, say it to my fucking face. And then you mm-hmm. cut away. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. Because we think, all know, because there's a rule. Sorry, also- boss. There's a rule where it's like, you can't have the audience be ahead of the script. You can't have an audience mm-hmm. be ahead of the show. They know what's going mm-hmm. to be said. Okay. Mm-hmm. The the trick is to pull it off in a way that gives the audience what they anticipated, but in a way that feels very satisfying and mm-hmm. dare I say impressive. And this show has done it before. Mm-hmm. And so I go, uh, this is what my, my producer mind jumps in and I go, Billy Harris couldn't pull it off. That's it. Whatever mm-hmm. happened on the day, the the producers, the things they said he couldn't. Oh, they had it and they cut it. You think? They, yeah, they had it. I think he did it. I think there. I think there was a scene there. I mm-hmm. just think that they couldn't get him where they needed mm-hmm. to get him, or tonally the way that the right. Listen, I think he's a tremendous actor. So my guess is he can probably get anywhere they need him to get. But maybe the yeah. writing wasn't good enough, and so that he pulled off something. Let's say he was a plus for some C minus writing. Mm-hmm. then it goes shit in their editing room you go this doesn't work and we don't have anything else so let's just cut around it and say oh we're going to respect the moment by not showing it <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't well that's interesting I mean I would toss in if we're going to look at it that way sort of assume assuming everything you you assume there you know the writing didn't work what have you I could also see in that conversation someone in the edit bay saying well what do we learn in this scene that we wouldn't know otherwise. We already know he's gay. We know the guys are going to accept him. We've kind of already started that and we're going to see more of it on the other side. What happens in that scene that if we pull the scene, they can't, that you, the, the audience loses a piece of the actual story, which is often not how I read personally tell stories or write also why uh my supposed to be 120 page first draft is often somewhere around 150 180 um <laughs> so you know all I the think things that seems, but you know. i can't imagine you or anybody else in this podcast would ever go long with anything oh yeah no absolutely not <laughs> definitely not well, but actually, there, so there's a part of me that I understand why they wouldn't want to make it a PSA they, and they wouldn't want him to have to go through the whole coming out thing. What I don't understand is why they didn't have him stand up and say, guys, Isaac isn't gay or guys, it's not Isaac. And that's it. 
Like everyone would pick up on what he was saying with something that simple. I don't understand why they couldn't give us that at least. It, especially with the other instances of not being privy to Rebecca and Sam's relationship or um, it, Jade and Nate's. Like there are feel to be a lot of instances where this is, these are the scenes where the show is built mm. and not getting them feels like There's also something. The show does such a great job of role modeling and modeling behavior. So you have like just what we said about Keeley uh, modeling this behavior for Roy so that he could do the behavior for Isaac and continue a train of uh, 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 or a, sort of a pattern of, of inclusive, kind, open, uh, helpful behavior, right? Um, I, I make the choice to, to get out of a, of a relationship that's untenable because I don't want my kids to see that this is the only type of relationship there is. You try to make these choices to help people down the road. The speech that I wanted from Colin Hughes, I wanted him to explain what it's like from the perspective of a gay man in the sports industry, which I don't mm. think I've seen on TV. I wanted him to say, like, guys, here's what it's been. And here's what it feels like. And here, and then you go, oh, so that every other person, uh, cishet man watching goes, okay, now I get it. Now I get why it's so hard. Now I get why no player in the NFL has ever come out. Or I guess one has mm-hmm. now, right? But like, yeah, why is it such a player. stigma around men coming out? And so, you could say like, everybody's concerned with the locker room. You know, we'll, we'll get this a little later in the episode, but the shower element of it is something that for your average you know, ogre, it, 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 it is unsettling. So I wanted to see some insight and, and, and to say, okay, let's model that type. Let's model that insight so that, well, you know, it can help the rest of us going forward. We can get some sort of fantastic, uh, you know, uh, perspective that we may not have had before we started watching the show. Is, is it the responsibility of the show? No, it's not. But the best speeches always do that. The best, like, uh, you know, moments you go, holy, it makes you see everything in a different way. Not just, yeah, it's just like all the, it doesn't matter if I can, I can look at scenes from, I can look at Sipowitz uh, speeches from NYPD blue from Dennis Franz and go, Jesus Christ, that thing. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. You know, just like open people's minds. That's all. I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, My concern is I think that the show has reached in order to try to identify with other circumstances or experiences in other ways. And I don't know if they've gotten there every time. I, I am thinking of a couple of big ones. I think specifically it wasn't extremely well handled with Ted's dad and then some later issues that we'll have to talk about. But I feel like the staff does a great job of trying to identify with those situations and maybe not having enough personal experience to get it right. And then you need to go outside. Like then you need to find somebody who has lived that and ask them for their input and I mean they have they have gay men I I get what what they probably don't have are like yeah analysts who are former gay athletes who didn't come out or you know that kind of thing I mean I would say that the um oh shoot I know and I'm sitting here it's so weird when we (laughs) it's so weird when we do these episodes where the whole show is complete because I go wait have they seen this yet which episode was that um but there are certain elements of Trent's arc uh, of Colin's arc where I go, this, this seems very believable to me. This seems very accurate. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like, yes, you're right, boss, that certain things 
are fumbled a little bit. Um, yeah, but yeah, would have been would have been. I'm saying this in this particular yeah. case, it was a choice, and it was a choice that um, compounded with other choices at the end of Ted Lasso, where it's either cut for time. Coach, you make a great point. You say like, what are we actually going to learn? Like this is once they do the whole thing, they go, this is four minutes, and we don't learn anything. Like, why would we have it cut cut there and let's move on? And uh, dimes to dollars, that's probably what happened. Um, but it still felt in conjunction with some of the things, other choices that happened off off screen, off camera. It felt like, oh, man, another another choice to do this off. Yeah. Off wow. Jeez. Wow. That's I, 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 I hear that. Um I'll, I'll I'll put in and, and I'm, now because I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm I'm hearing what each of you are saying. I think for me, some of the glimpse into Colin's experience, I think I got some of that itch scratched um, in Amsterdam when we're having a yeah, beer and a saying, you know, hey, and I just want to be able to kiss my guy. And, you know, I, so, so, but, but, but I do think there's value in. When he shares that with Trent, he share it's that's the equivalent to go back to your story <laughs> about um Cam Newton getting knocked all around. I think that when he's talking to Trent, that's the equivalent of Kwame and I in a group, you know, Kwame also being black for those of you who missed it in the story, me being able to like glance over at him and he glances over at me and we're like, Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, all right. Yeah, but also, also, <laughs> okay. But there's there's this other moment, and I'll and I'll call it out because I it cracks me up. Where one, I forget, Kwame wasn't at the draft one year, or whatever. And I came mm-hmm. up and I was like, "Hey, man, I know Kwame's yeah. not here. I like, that. I know you're gonna have to roll your eyes about some white nonsense. So I'm just gonna be the stand-in <laughs> Kwame, and I will look at you at those times, and you will have a, you know, significantly less so, good stand-in for Kwame, who is the greatest human on the planet. Uh, I already I said, that. Coach, you were the greatest human on the planet, and I'll stick like with it, that. We'll but compete. I do, do I love me some Kwame, man? He is, is. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. But yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, I, I see we're delivering some some of that to that room full of guys could have been helpful. Now I wonder too, and I know we're gonna move forward into it. Um I can start us if you want, but I wonder too if because we're gonna get what we're about to get, it felt a little like, well, guys, I mean, it's halftime. Like how long are we <laughs> like how long right, are we right, gonna right. be back here? And it could be double beady at this point too. Right. It could feel like right. a double beat. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, uh, I don't know what happened out there, but I do know what this is. Roy talking to to Isaac. I don't know what happened out there, but I do know whatever it is was isn't what you're really angry about, is it? And Isaac listens. He says, "So trust me, you got to de- got to go deal with that, or you're gonna fuck up whatever it is you actually do care about." Which is great, great advice. Of course, we get a <laughs> once again. Every time we get, uh, remember we're in the boot room and what happens here, boss? We look over and Will says, he's right, you know. Quick cut. So we, we hear it first and then so he looks over. Funny. Yeah, well, we hear that we hear it first and then we, we and hear that cut. we get the yeah, audio yeah, cue. Yeah, yeah. And then Will says, the little things we get mad about are like snowflakes on a mountain. He's, he's polishing a boot while he says this. And if we just wait too long, 
If we wait too long, then we're just one sneeze away from an avalanche that'll kill us all. And Beard, I mean, uh, uh, Roy says, thank you, Will. I don't and know if Will- this was this one was intentional because, you know, I, I start, you know, with my, my, my cork board and my string. But the the last time we talked about <laughs> snow and mountainsides and so on was when Beard was preparing the tea. And he says, it's like you have these well-worn paths down the mountain, and this is like a fresh snow, right, for creating new paths. And so it struck me as interesting that this is kind of that, too, even though we end up using the metaphor a little differently. Yeah. Well, and in this case, I'm actually watching it while we're doing this, and Will's face is not it's knowing in a way that seems a little bit pained by it. Mm. Uh, that kind of like, I have experienced this heartache. Um, it, so yeah, I like that in one case it was to make things seem different. The other one is all the things that accumulate when you don't deal with your shit. And I definitely find truth in both. I mean, when, when Will said this, I saw God. Oh yeah. Will, I could have, uh, Saved a lot of money on therapy and just uh, subscribe to Apple Plus. But thanks, man. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I thought it, I, th- I found it a little platitudey. Uh, I was like, okay, that's that's all right. Yes, thank you, Will. Thank, but but butt out. And then he goes, "You want some bubble gum?" And Roy says, "Don't push it." <laughs> like, I love it. It's uh, so good. That and that's a. By the way, that's become a runner with Roy as he's kind of edging toward this new way of being is someone getting a little too excited <laughs> that he's oh he's on our side now and him being like ah, ah, I'm still right yes very very good point um, so we cool we're back in the in the uh, locker room Colin says we cool but of course yeah of course it's cool yes amigo a thousand percent you're gay big whoop but we don't care right guys and they say, yeah, 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 all good, bro. Jan Masas. Um, now, no, hold on. Actually, hold on, actually, Ted says. Um, Colin, we, we do care, you know. When I was growing up back, okay. <laughs> this is a hell of, all right. I'm going to blast through this. When I was growing up back, yeah, boss took her glasses off. Coach, oh, boy. go crack oh, open dear. a soda. This is a yeah. long ass. Yeah, yeah, speech. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through it as quickly. I was growing up in Kansas City. Had a buddy named Stevie Jewell. Now he's a huge Denver Broncos fan. We're all growing up smack dab in the middle of cheese country. He used to catch a lot of guff for me. I told him it didn't affect the way I felt about him. You know, I told him I didn't care. And I didn't, you know, but then uh, in what, uh, 98, 99, what was, what was it? I forget what years it was. Uh, the, our our thing always leaves it out. Um, our stupid transcription, and I. Oh, I think I think it was ninety. I think it was ninety eight, ninety nine. I don't think. Or was it two thousand, two thousand, whatever it was? Um, we had to. Well, he had a bunch back to back Super Bowls. Uh, with Denver Broncos in them all by himself. First one, he ate an entire seven layer dip from Price Chopper all by himself. Big old thing, and uh, uh, just wrecked his stomach. Um, and uh, apparently he destroyed the toilet in his, in his parents' basement. Um, I remember the t- uh, rumor at the time being that he caused uh, $7,000 worth of damage. Can you imagine? To a toilet, 7000 bucks. The next year, he did the exact same thing all by himself. He must have thought it was good luck or something. I don't know, because I wasn't there, because I, quote, unquote, didn't care. But I should have cared. You know, I should have supported him. I should have been uh, should have been at his house both them years, sharing that seven-layer dip with my friend. 
Well, his garbage ass team wins back to back Super Bowls. Um, okay. First of all, uh, actually, hold on. Let's, let's finish the little button at the end. Coach, did you just compare being, uh, this is Colin, you compare being gay to being a Denver Broncos fan? You so know what? Fun. Yeah, I did. I regret it. Sorry about that. Um, I love that. And Jamie says, what the fuck a Denver Broncos? No, that's a very I good love- question. Oh for, fuck's, uh, oh, for fuck's sake. Beards. <laughs> it's an American football <laughs> reference. An absolute fumble in this situation. I apologize. He uses, he uses a football yes. term. To- yes. Yes. I was like, come on, man. There's a lot of good writing going on here. That's a that's a good piece of joke teller. Like, just throwing that little extra. This is a little, little extra spice. Like, it wasn't a guffaw. But it was like a little extra something in there for those who are paying attention. One of the reasons that um, toxic mas- masculinity exists, and I- I'm not an uh, authority on this at all, but I will say that I know in my life when I was toxic and masculine, and I still am, I'm sure, on, in some places where I, where I have blind spots, um, I um, I didn't know better, and I had – and I I – I didn't have the ability to step back and think about it. So this Stevie Jewel stuff resonated with me, even though it takes too long and it's kind of stupid. It resonates with me because, <laughs> because I'm like, I remember. So I was thinking about this kid. I'm going to uh, raise my cyber hand yes, in response to that, but I want you to finish your, your point. But I, I, I'm not sure that I agree that it was too long and stupid. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to flag that in real time. <laughs> Um, it was, it was, I mean, they show the guys checking out as part of the thing. They're like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, this again. But the point, the, the point remains, he wasn't there for his friend. And, and I'm trying to make a little bit of a different point, which is you get to a certain point in your life. I can't speak for women, but I know for men, your, your chemistry changes and you're not as ego driven and you're not as out to kill everybody. There's a, there's. There's a time because of testosterone, if you're anything like me on the road, you don't, you get to a light and all of a sudden you're in a race. I don't know why you're in a fucking race. There's no reason to be in a fucking mm-hmm. race. It's and now I'm at the point where I'm like, go ahead and fucking drive. I don't give a shit. Like there's a time where you can think about these things objectively and there's a time where it, it seems more difficult. And, and if people don't model that behavior for you, you don't do the analysis at a younger age. And so I remember I had this kid i played hockey with really it was the first kid i ever knew who who died and um he was he was the most irritating person i've ever met in my life and um it was probably seven or eight when i started playing with him and maybe all the way till 10 or 12 every time he was in the locker room he caused trouble every time he opened his mouth it was grating he was irritating and and obnoxious and rude and mean spirited. He was a terrible kid. Um, and a couple of years after he quit, uh, somebody killed him with a bat. Jesus yep. Christ! And I, and I, I never, not where I thought this was going. I never. Okay. So I was like fourteen or fifteen when I heard about it, and I never, you know, I wasn't close with the kid. He was a teammate, but I didn't like him, and. But I never also addressed anything with him. I stayed the hell away from him. I ignored him. I tried not to be in his sight line because he would have said something horrific and irritating and mean spirited and unkind. And I just like stayed away from him. And then, and then I guess whatever. And so, but I think about him way too much. 
because uh, I think about God. I, I really wish I had said one thing. I never even said one thing to him. Never. I, I never remember playing with him on the ice and tapping him on the ass with my stick and saying, nice pass. And I, I just never remember. I remember I hated playing with him. I hated how he played. He sucked. Um, he, he, I didn't like, you know what I mean? He wasn't on my same line anyway or whatever. Cause he was like also not, you know what I mean? Like he was just, I just didn't have a lot of interaction with him, but I really, man, I think about him probably too much. And I just say, man, I failed that kid. I didn't, I didn't say what, if I had maybe said what, like granted and boss is like, just tickled about this. She thinks this is a sign of me being overly nice or overly caring or whatever. She's like, whatever that kid had it coming. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I know, I understand the perspective, but like, I didn't do anything in, in retrospect because I was not in a place to be circumspect about this. I didn't have any, my parents didn't teach me that. Like, you know, I didn't start really analyzing anything till I was in my thirties. And so that's a lot of wasted time. And how many other people did I not help along the way that I could have, or, you know, a kind word would have gone a long way. So anyway, I'm, I'm saying I'm recognizing in this moment that Ted has reached a certain place in life that men that I under, I understand men reaching this place. I think women reach it much sooner. Like as soon as they come out of their mothers, uh, they say, Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, we should really analyze this. But I think men usually take a little bit longer and testosterone right. in my experience gets in the way. I, I it's, there were several things there. That was, that was chock full. Um, I think it's important in terms of talking about that teammate. That's a that's a really intense story. Um, it's funny because some of what you express feels very much like what Ted explains about his Ted Lasso ness. That the that that the portrayal, the like the the all that energy and listening to every person that he never wanted to go by anybody and have them not real. All right, so it felt it felt a lot like that. I guess what I would say, not just for you, but in thinking about that kind of stuff, is you had an opportunity, but not a responsibility. And I, and I think that's an important distinction. I think, you sure, you had an opportunity to do that, right. But you, you, you didn't have responsibility to do it. And I think part of saying you didn't have a responsibility is also, if you know where you are in your life, you're not interested in this guy saying whatever horrific thing he was likely to eventually say to you. I think you do have a right to go. Yeah, not nah, this one's not mine. There's a, there's a story about a guy who um, essentially converts um, Klansmen. He just like one by one. And I don't know how many he's up to now, but whatever. I remember watching it. And thinking, no fucking way. Like, (laughs) no way. Like, like, I remember watching it and thinking, no way. Um, What? Yeah, nope. Nope. Like, for real. Like, nope. But it's fine. Like, he sees that opportunity and he feels whatever in his life led to the moment where he decided, I can do this. He decided, yeah, I can do that. Orlando, that is not my ministry. And I won't. So if th- whatever happens down the road for so-and-so who I didn't stop from wearing their robe, my feeling is, you know, sorry about that. And I'll own that I had an opportunity, but I- I'm not, that one's not going to be on me. So I guess that's the way I would say it to you is I think there's a lot of value in thinking about when we can intercede, but that wasn't your job. Yeah. 
shockingly, I uh, agree with Coach on that. Uh, this is this is this is like uh, Goodwill Hunting. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. it. No. I don't listen. I don't think it's my fault, and I don't. I mean, I I don't sit up at night writing his name over and over in a in a, in a notebook. But I do. I do. It's a. I come from a small town, and he was the first kid I ever knew that that didn't make it. Um, and you know, since then, I you know, you have you hear, oh, this classmate didn't make it. This classmate, you go, Jesus Christ! Like, it really puts weird things in perspective. But I think what I'm commenting on more is the ability to step back and have the maturity to objectively look at at the situation, just like what you're doing right now, Coach. I just like that. Ted recognized in this moment the thing to say wasn't like, yeah, we're fine with it. Uh, we don't care. And then move on. He's like, no, no, we, I've done this. I've made this mistake where the we don't care thing is not good enough. This is, we do care in a different way. We do care. You know, it's like, it's almost like there's not enough definitions for the term care to, you know, it's like yes. you, you need a German, you need a German yes. word to, to or, or a, or a, a Tlingit uh, word to, to, that defines snow, the type of snow. What is it? The, um, mm-hmm. There's Native American athlete. tribes that have have uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know 300 different words for snow because there's so, you know and you go oh my god wait we just say snow sometimes that's it sometimes it's too reductive and so in this moment I th- I thought it was important that Ted uh, recognized the pattern and then broke it which is exactly what we're talking about although he does it for way too long and and uh, how do you how do you do seven thousand I know, Coach has got his dukes up. I did you seven thousand dollars of damage to a toilet. By the way, I think it's nine thousand, and I'm not sure why that keeps every time you have said seven thousand, my brain goes nine thousand. So I don't know if that's right or if yeah, I no. decided there's more damage. <laughs> I don't know where. Oh, no, no, no. Every it time. might be nine thousand. No, it might be. I, I'm actually just just thinking about what. I, yeah, I wish yeah. that this stupid. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. Th- thousands of dollars. I mean, a brand new. If you're going to do that, you get yourself a Japanese toilet, one of those fancy $10,000 Japanese toilets now, and then you never you never worry again. That's a lot of damage. It is, in fact, 9000 And also, it doesn't make any sense that you would be able to do that much damage to a single bathroom. I had that thought. I actually thought it through because, you know, having been a homeowner for a while now, I feel like I've dealt with a lot of repairs. And I was like, what the fuck did he do? <laughs> but I guess it was intended to feel like that, right? It it's got to be plumb. You got to take out like functional plumbing. I think yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, yeah. About. Or, or there's actual damage. water damage. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. At that point, you just move. <laughs> you just close the door and go to a different house. We're done with this place. Take, take your seven layer dip and run. Um. So yeah. I like that Jamie doesn't know what the fuck Denver Broncos are. I, well, love the du- I have something oh, on the yeah, speech ahead, though uh, that I did. And I and I <laughs> so I I really appreciated about the speech. There's a lot of talk around the team, and is this really how a team runs? And when does it feel like the way a team runs? I felt as well. I'll speak for myself and my coaching. This was very much how that this kind of moment ends up playing out, and like bringing out a story like that to make whatever kind of point. And it struck me here, and I've been playing with this idea elsewhere, that there's almost like a pastorly element to this part, where you take this story and then you you, extrap- you, you, you extrapolate out the point you want everyone to understand. You say, okay, now everybody apply this in your life. And I think coaches a lot of times will do that, right? You start out with the, you know, we've done it on this show, tan lines, right? Um, and so I thought that was cool. And it really... it. 
it did work for me. And I think putting the joke at the end that sort of called out the, the, <laughs> the potential issue with doing it this way was spot on and worked and was funny and great. But I actually did. It did help me. Like it helped me in that moment go. Yeah. Yeah. That. I agree with what Ted said, and I think that's how we should be. I, maybe to it reminded me of when people tell me they're colorblind, and I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, that's not great. And it, it, and I know they feel that it's great. I'm like, oh no, 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 <laughs> that's not the point, <laughs> you know. So I guess maybe it also not all men with coach. that point for me. Not all men. Not all men. I have so worked on not because I'll slide into not all men, but I'll like backdoor it. So I don't actually use the phrase not all men, but I'll say something that is a hundred percent. Some of the men ain't, ain't all yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was a, a phrasing <laughs> issue, Orlando. Get it together. <laughs> I don't think it was a phrasing issue, Orlando. <laughs> Uh, I love it. But the point is, Colin, we, we don't not care. We care very much. We care about who you are and what you must be going through. Yeah. But hey, from now on, you don't have to go through it all by yourself. And I'm going to make us longer again real quick and point out that we were in this room when we were told what is worse than being sad and the lyrics of that mm-hmm. song, you'll never walk alone. And I think that really matters. You'll never walk alone. I love it. It's like, it's all of it, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. And this is, I mean, for those of us that love the show, um, this is what we love. These are the moments we love. These are the, uh, you know, sort of, these are the ideals that, that some modern men aspire to have and to, and to be. Um, uh, Yeah. You hear that? We got us. uh, You got us, mate. We got you. Okay. Well, look, I hate to, bring up work with in a moment like this we do a second half of a match to play uh coach what have we got playing a man down what do we do differently and let's hear it from both of you absolutely absolutely nothing let's go let's go baby okay all right captain count us off Oh, wow. Yes, that's me. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I uh, don't know what to say. Um, I fucking love <laughs> Sam so much. My God, I love him. Um, I'm honored to be your captain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love you guys so very much. And Jamie. Says, On three. One, two, three. I love you guys so very much. Oh, God. That was. I got that chills. Was, I got oh. chills here sitting, recording this. I loved it yeah. so much. I have chills. That's how That was like mainlining the lasso way that moment. It was just like, oh. Like that was boss, just it right there. Boss is looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, how you like are it? you able to have chills no. at this late? Listen, I. it's just that this is, this is really stacking several, I think, core elements of the show in a very small space. Like, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no, there's no um, relationships we don't care about. There's no mismatched uh, redemption yes. arcs. Like this is everything we actually do love and care about in one place. And so, for a second, it brings me back to the the olden days. And uh, <laughs> I love you guys so very much. It, no, I. 
I actually liked this part more than a few of the scenes that we had seen. Um, my, you know, disagreements with the way that some of the things had been handled. I did feel like they handled this one. I also, on the rewatch, um, there is uh, an exaggerated sense to Jason Sudeikis' performance when he's doing the speech. It, like, it, it, you can see him losing the group. And you could sort of see him getting more into, I, I like, thought, it's played up a little bit. I think it was supposed uh, to be funny. And so this is a very sweet ending to what I thought was supposed to be a good point, but also they're saying it a little tongue-in-cheek. It's supposed to be a little bit overblown yeah. and funny. And then it comes back and has a moment of sincerity. That I, I had I did the sense enjoy. that the friend Stevie Jewell had left the earth. Did you get that sense? I think I asked I you know. both this on the on the rapid reaction too. I was like, he's talking about a dead friend, and and you guys both said, no, I don't think so. That's not what I got. Yeah, but I, that's no, why I, I thought it that. got so saccharine or so mm. why why it hit him so hard. But anyway, mm. interesting. Then we have uh, everybody runs out. And it's Trent and Colin, better or worse than you imagined. Um, <laughs> and uh, he says, uh, second best way it could have gone, I think. Uh, best way being the entire team confesses that they're gay too. And we all get to be on the cover of Oprah's magazine. What do you think of that joke? I liked it. And I was like, but I was like, I don't know why I liked it. It, it was a smile joke for me. It wasn't a laugh joke. It was like, oh, hmm. like it was like, oh. So I, I, I was curious I what your up, reactions were. I screwed up my face like a like a long haul trucker. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa! What the hell? Everybody gay. <laughs> um I I, <laughs> I um I'm like, is that really the best thing? Is you, you, uh, a whole locker full full of gay guys is, get, is gonna be uh whew, it's gonna be fabulous. I, listen, I, I like having a big, yes. dumb, yes. fucking hetero knucklehead here and there uh, to uh, to keep everything uh, dumb. I don't know. I don't <laughs> keep know. everything dumb. I, you know, like, it's just so simple. With like, Remember like uh, the SNL sketch about like hetero male friend, the, the oh, Travis Kelsey sketch, you know, so where it's like. That was gold. Does he even know my name? No, but we like play games and, you know, yeah, I can not call great. him for seven days. <laughs> Um, cool. Did you say? Did you say like I'm moving to? to I'm moving uh, to Europe for seven years. Seven. So seven years. Yeah. He's like, cool. Hit me up when you get back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I feel attacked. <laughs> I feel. It's so true. Um. Uh. Okay. So we have. Uh. We cut to to uh, West Ham. Uh. Roger pokes his head in. Uh. Uh. Nate. Is, see. Ah, Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm like, ah, do I really? I I just had a beautiful moment, like the moment between Jamie and Sam with the armband. I I can live in that moment forever. Do I want to go back to Rupert with his fingers in the baklava? Like, not, you know what no. I mean? Just it just feels like such. A, it almost feels like a different show. I'm like, ah, cracking hmm. match, coach. Yeah, thank you, Roger. Um, at least Nate is being nice to Roger. Nice ish. Hey, a few of us are, are getting a pint. Care to join us? Uh, sounds good, but I'm actually going for a drink with Rupert tonight. Like, says it like, oh, actually, the, just the two of us. So, and Roger says what? Are you in trouble? Yeah, you're in trouble, which is what he always thinks. I thought thinks. that was, that was great. <laughs> what? No, it's just like a guy's night. So, cool. Maybe next time. Yeah. And, and, and Nate, to his credit, says, yeah. Like, 
All right. All right, Coach Shelley. You must be on the upswing of the trajectory. I'm sure you won't do anything, you know, negative after this. So um, we cut to the, the resolution of the Richmond game. Whistle blows. Yes, yes. And Richmond have done it. Um, how about that? Well done, sir. They complete the comeback for a thrilling 2-1 win um, behind uh, an inspirational turn from who? Boss, who was the inspirational turn from in this beautiful Disney portrait of uh, coming out special? Listen, I'm mocking it by saying that, but like, it really is like, this is the ultimate resolution. Like, oh, you come out and then you have the game of your life. And, and mm-hmm. but but I'm I'm with it. I am for it. I am all here for it. This is what I want. <laughs> I want Colin to have because I, I want I want <laughs> I want um like Colin's excellence to feel like a hot skewer in in Nate because I'm so mad still about him with the holiday in comparison saying you don't inspire. Listen, mm-hmm. one of the things he says in that thing was you don't inspire. That's what that's how Nate and then yeah. this says behind an inspirational oh, wow. turn. You're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what he nice. is is inspiring. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. So in the, in the man of the match. In a, so it was Colin. It, yeah. To answer your question. Who, who was it, boss? Oh, it was Colin. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think you asked me who it was and then <laughs> talked about how much you love that Colin coming out. Was God so damn it. Go hosted by Zava. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Pass the goddamn ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> who's going to ask the question? In. Zava. Wait. Who's going to answer oh, the question? Zava. <laughs> who's going to make the references? Zava. Oh my god! Terrible, terrible. I, I'm appropriately uh, smashed for that. I'm very sorry. I somehow I, I got very excited. I got very excited. No, don't don't apologize. Uh, all right, so man of match for us. Wow. Um, Hughes was sensational. Arlo after being benched early in the season. Um, and back in the starting lineup today, the Welshman played like a man reborn, a goal down, a man down. The Greyhound scored twice in the second half, both assisted by an inspired, once again, Colin Hughes. But the real fireworks were at halftime when Richmond's captain, Isaac McAdoo, this is now we are on, um, uh, we are on football Friday or whatever, soccer Saturday. Yeah, soccer Saturday. Uh, Jeez, sorry. Louise, yeah, football. Come on. Um, when Richard's captain Isaac McAdoo went into the stands to attack one of their own fans, in fairness. Uh, oh, who says that? In fairness, I want to do that a few times myself, um, Jeff. Clinton says it. But you didn't, Clinton, because you're not a psychopath like McAdoo. Now, George, you don't know what... All right, and Coach, why don't you be uh, George Cartrick here, since you're okay. kind of a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. racist. 100%. Uh, oh no, Jeff! Jeff, come on! You do not go into the stands. I don't care what was said. That is a line you do not cross. And that's why McAdoo was a captain when I was there because he's not fit for it. I mean, come on! He makes Roy Kent look like Bambi. Um, yeah, things were better yeah. when George was there for sure. Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah definitely. But also, why. yeah, there we was. Make, we gotta make Richmond great again at some point, you know? Like, let's just yeah. It had, it definitely had a vibe, and I cannot tell you a hundred percent why, but yes, it had a vibe. Like, I felt that a bit. Like, hmm, 
Would he have said that if Jan Moss had gone into the stands? I just don't feel he would have nope. said the same thing. No, no. All, all yeah. we're missing was even like something a, about it was a reference, like a like a yeah, some some yeah. We're missing some. Oh, he went in the stands like a like a right gorilla right. or something. You know, yeah, like, exactly. that's all we needed well, to really hammer yeah. home. But that's what he yeah. was saying. He did say psychopath, which does assume some level of not having all of his co- cognitive abilities, which is always another great way that racist slips stuff like that in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought Kartrick, you know, it's it's it, it's not dealing with the reality of these situations. I guess that's what I would say about it. And I think like when we have. Um, when we have Ted, you know, talk about what someone might be going through or whatever, it's it's a complete lack of empathy. I don't think they have to make excuses. Mm -hmm. I actually think in terms of the facts that come through and what he said, it's pretty much what we said earlier, which is like, yeah, I get it. Fans are crazy. That's out of line. We still cannot have a world where we make it okay for athletes to go in a crowd and settle shit. It's how he brings it and what he's what else yes. he seems to be saying in addition to that that I think shifts it. Yeah. So not to get too into uh, accounting because it's extremely boring, even for me, but there are plenty of ways where you could arrive at the correct dollar amount that if a, a bank balance says you have $150,000, you could get there and all of your work could be wrong. You could reconcile it in entirely the wrong way and get every single piece of it off and end up at the mm. right answer. And that's not good. <laughs> like the auditors mm. wouldn't say that that's okay, that your entire system is but. flawed and your thinking behind it is flawed, but you got to the right answer. Yeah. So we're going to let it slide. Like what he's thinking is not the players need to be respected enough that they're not doing that. The fans need to be respectful. The fans need to be protected. Mm -hmm. Like he's not thinking about any of those things. What he's thinking is Isaac is a big, scary black man. And so we can't have him running amok, which is not the right Right. answer. Right. Right. You're wrong, George. That's a great way to put that. I mean, we got one on this show. (laughs) I'm trying to be less scary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a big scary black man running on it. Coaches 100 percent 100 broke me 100 percent like Trust broke me. me that's great man, cannot have it you cannot you know cannot i want to call out uh it. so scary coach you're very scary um i want to <laughs> i want to call out that uh what a great job once again bill fellows does as george cartrick because he is I mean, all the way through, you just go, man, shut up. What a scumbag. Like, he's just, you know, but he does it perfectly. It's just the right amount of absolute obvious racism that's not thrown out as race. You know, like, you just go like, like old school thinking. It was better Mm -hmm. in my day. You know, when I I walked to school uphill through the rain, both both ways, ways. you know, like, you just go shut the fuck. But he, he exemplifies a certain way of thinking and he does it without being over the top or chewing scenery. And I think mm-hmm. it just—I think it just does a really great job. Um, boss, walk us through this next thing, please. After uh, Bambi. Oh, you mean when we cut to the pub where people are actually saying reasonable things? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So we cut to the pub. 
uh, as they're sort of fading out of the TV saying, uh, he's an idiot, isn't he? Come on, McAdoo doing that. Uh, What was he thinking? He's in big trouble. Uh, Somebody says, the guy probably deserved it though, right? And everyone says, oh, absolutely, no doubt. And then (laughs) Mae saying, I hope his kids shiv him in his sleep. What? He used to come in here. Phenomenal. Oh, no, no. Keep going. The best part is coming. I really like this. Keep going. What's the next part? Oh, he was a dick to my niece Claire once. No way. Not Claire. Fucking prick. Moved over to East London. Uh, Oh, and sorry. And then that's when they cut to the TV. So, uh, fucking prick being a dick to my niece Claire. I... I... One of the things I, li- I I liked about this and how the reaction to it, there was so much in the phrase, he was a dick to my niece. Mm-hmm. Like, I got the sense that, like, Claire had to escape a car or something. Like, it didn't sound like, oh, he, you know, cut her off when she was making a great point. It, it, it ha- and, and the fact that that was it for the guys. Oh, yeah. That was it for PP- PBJ. They're like, oh, that's all we needed. <laughs> Fuck that guy. So I, it was, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was cool. And I think that, again, it does sort of, again, touch on what we have been saying in terms of, you can't do this, we can't have you do it, we do understand why you did it, though. All right, they say, uh, moving over to East London, the Wonder Kids, uh, Wonder Kids, West Ham took care of business at home. And so that leads us into uh, Nate approaching Rupert from behind. Uh, which you should only do uh, with a dagger in a video game. Mm-hmm. I think like uh, it just feels like that in that moment, for those of us who are gamers, you just get in stealth mode and go behind Rupert to take out the big bad. Um, and he is, he is really yucking it up. Boy, L- Rupert's the life of the party with people paid to be with him. Um, hey, Rupert, you all right? Hey, Nathan, let me introduce uh, uh, Kelsey and uh, Libby. No, the other way around. <sighs> but you're buying the drinks, so okay. we'll giggle. Uh, well, I'm still mess. Rupert. <laughs> uh, okay, that's that's a uh, fake laugh borrowed from Kevin Klein as the Pirate King in Pirates of Penzance. Um, uh, and this is Nathan Shelley, the Wonder Kid. Hey, you all right? So the girls will be joining us tonight, shall we? Oh, yum, yum, yum. Oh, I thought this was a, a guy's night, Rupert. Uh, yes, trust me, it is. <laughs> yeah, seriously. like uh. Oscar, we're off to the private room. A couple of bottles of champagne, please. Mm, man, who wouldn't want to go back into the room mm-hmm. with the aforementioned Libby and Kelsey or the other way around? Well, I, I yeah, all that. Also, I thought a couple things stood out. One is Rupert has done this night a trillion times. Yep. He knows his lines. He knows their lines. He, right? Like, this is just... And it for him, this is what it is to be one of the big boys. Like, this is... Like, I'm not unlike Jamie's dad in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome to manhood, son. Yeah. And I just think it's a really interesting, this is manhood. 
Like this is so this is so gross and sad. Cheating with two women whose names we don't know. What what what's happening here? What is this? But this I, I, I thought they were escorts, but I I, I think oh. you guys are of the mind that they just picked him. He picked them up at the bar, right? Is that it what could be mean? escorts? I mean, I I assume that yeah, I assume they were just there, but I mean, could be. I guess. I feel like that's the tone of the relationship, regardless of their actual profession. Is that they are I, there? I just think like guys like him, you know, guys like him, don't put up with disappointment or they want they like a shirt, they like a rigged game, they want the dice stacked in there. You know, this this is like harkens back to you know the the whole scandal with um um uh what's his name? God, we don't even say his name in my house because Juliana detests him so much. The Patriots owner, oh crap, oh crap, who who got like a yes. hand job in a in a mall, strip mall in in Florida. But I'm like, this is what I'm talking. I'm like, this is this is it. This is what your billions get. Like, why? This is so gross and so like this is what it is. I always talk to my kids about like, okay, I know you guys want wealth and fame or whatever, all the things the kids aspire. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a movie. Whatever. Okay, great, great. Why? Like, just break it down. Do you want a better Sony Walkman? Like, what is the reason you have this? You have that. You have all the things that matter. You have all the things. Like, what What do you think? For for me, money gets you more options, more choices, and an easier, like, less stress. You don't have to worry about bill paying and stuff like that. Uh, if you want to decide, oh, we're going to go to Zambia, you can go to Zambia. Like, that. that's what it gets you. It gets you options. It gets you choices. But But, like... In moments like this, like this is still human interaction, and this is what this is like. It feels with with a wife at home and a child waiting for you. Like this is the the choice. I I just go, man. I'm I'm I somehow cut from a completely different um, operational philosophy. I just go, I, this is not. This is like wildly uninteresting to me. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's like also such a waste of time. It's also the drive that 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 leads to what I think a lot of us, you know, would connect with being a billionaire in the first place, right? Like it's 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 more. I used to joke around with Daphne, like not fully joke, sometimes I really want to go home. But we'd be in the mall when such things mattered and Daphne'd be shopping for, you know, whatever. A a a a a, a black uh skirt. Okay, great. So to my mind, like we went to whatever store and there's the black skirt, like how it fits, price seems reasonable. Good, we're done. Oh, I want to check this store and that store to see if they have it for less. And we'd have this conversation all the time where I'd be like, less is not a price. That's not a thing. Like, there's an amount you think is fair to pay. And when we find that, we should stop and go. <laughs> Then like, we should be done. We, would, we were done, right? I don't understand how we're not done right now. And 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 I think in a you know similar principle, I think for some people in this world, it's about more. Like this and you just can never you will never have more because it's more. And I was actually just watching this video about stoicism where they talk about the power of knowing what enough is. And we don't all have to define it the same way, but at a certain point in your life, if you're Rupert, I find it sad that it never occurred to you. I know you think you're going, and I'm going to say this as crudely as he would think it. I know you think you're going to fuck all the women, 
but you're not going to get to fuck them all. So at the point that we've established, you're not going to break that world record. Like, let's start thinking about what we're doing here. And to me, he's still like a 19-year-old just sprinting out into the world thinking, I'm going to fuck them all. Like, no, (laughs) you're really not. Stop. (laughs) Well, I think in both cases that you brought up, both um, Kraft and Rupert, there is a part of it where the illicit nature is the draw. I think that when you have that much money, mm-hmm. what it represents is I am powerful enough that I could do these extremely seedy, not entirely mm. legal things. And I'm not going to mm. get called. I'm not only not going to get called on it, but nobody's going to say shit because I'm too powerful. Nobody's going to say like, oh, you shouldn't be cheating on your wife or you have a baby at home. Why are you doing this? They'll say like, oh, well, rich men get to have mistresses. That's just the way that things go. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to have lunch with your wife while you cheat because I like her right. and we're friends. Yep, exactly. Right. Good point. Very good point. Yeah, we do we do that and it's everywhere. We uh my kids were watching Iron Man, I think maybe Iron Man two, whatever. The one with Sam Rockwell. And there's a Mickey Rourke character in it, and um he's the bad guy, he's in prison, and there's like a prison break, and they the guards somehow break <laughs> Mickey Rourke out of prison, put him in a van fly him to like a private like airport where Sam Rockwell billionaire, multi-billionaire is like waiting for him. Like, Oh yeah. You can just break people out of jail. If you have enough money, like you can do whatever you want. Like, and everyone's like, okay, fine. That's fine. That's fine. He's a billionaire. So he must, he must have earned this. And, and, and there's a lot of this with Rupert. The rules don't apply to me. I think that's part of the draw. I know I've always liked to, um, you ever hear about, uh, auxiliary, auxiliary police officers. You ever hear that term? No, but I hate it. That's funny. There was a guy, I, I, kid I, I grew up with whose dad was an auxiliary officer for his local police department. It was like, okay, if the shit hits the van, you know, he can, he's called in to help because he was a former something. I don't remember. Marine. He wasn't part of the force, but if they needed extra manpower, he was on the job. And he was never called in, but it meant he could speed in that town. And I was like, as a child, I was like, that's so cool. Wow. I want to be an auxiliary. <laughs> like, I want to be. And this is obviously, you know, um, I am now. It uh, goes without saying. Uh, no, that that's not true. Uh, because, um, yes, I, I grew out of that. But, but there is an allure to, oh, the rules don't apply to me. To, there are certain personality types that. That really is uh, is something to aspire to. And so, yes, Rupert sending this back. Uh, this is the, the same old, same old for him, but it's like part of who he is at this point. I think that his identity is wrapped up in his virility, um, you know, despite being 97 years old or whatever he is. Um, He's got a kid. He can prove it. That's it. Bam. Still got it. Um, so... Uh, in that moment, we see Nate have the realization that I complained about last episode, where it's like, dude, do you not get who this is? Like, oh, Jane really enjoyed meeting you as well, Rupert. Hi, is Rupert not coming to the Love Hounds? Like, all right, okay. <laughs> uh, like, finally, we get the wake up where, where he's like, oh, okay, now you have that shot of him to which he says, I'm so, uh, actually, Rupert, I'm so sorry, I need to leave. Uh, long story. I wanted to come out and tell you in person. Rupert gives him a, withering horrible look of abject judgment 
and turns around fine more for me like but now you know like okay you have you're on the well, like it's gonna that is the that is the beginning of the end for you that that look but i wanted before you answer coach yeah, yeah because yeah. i'm sure what you're gonna say is brilliant what did what did nate realize in that moment because i think it affects what happens after and i think it affects uh, specifically what did the writers want us to think he he realized specifically in that moment i don't want to be him i think that's what he saw and i think we got a little of it earlier when he was meeting um was it anastasia and he kind of looked behind rupert kind of what's going on there with you know cakes and i thought um so that i thought that was <clears throat> i am getting to see what is down this road and no thank you i'm turning back that that's 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 how it landed on me i got something slightly different i actually believe that i said in the rapid response that i was annoyed that it seemed like Nate was fine with Rupert cheating on Nubex because he saw him at this club earlier when he met Anastasia and whoever he was with. So, I mean, he knows about original Rebecca. He knows about Nubex. Like, he's not unfamiliar with the idea that Rupert is going to cheat. I said that it was annoying to me that it seemed like he was only upset now about it because Rupert expects Nate to cheat on Jade. And Nate wants the appearance of, oh, well, no, 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 like... Jade is too special for that. We're not going to insult my girlfriend by saying she deserves to be cheated on, oh. like your wives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Re- what? What? Okay, hold on, hold on. A follow up question for that because I like that point, and I'm with you. I'm actually 100 percent with you. I think Coach is just terrible. At this. <laughs> <He> just doesn't. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I was going to say, um, getting old, losing my fastball. Did you? Yeah, that's right. That's right, man. This is this this is the the birthday that broke you. Um. Uh, uh, boss, do you? Because th- I think this is what you think, and then I look at my life and I wince. I think you think. I think you want Nate to have been vocal about this and be like, "I'm not working for a fucking cheater, so fuck you." And like, I think that's what you want, even though you're the realist on the call and you're the one supposedly who is very pragmatic about these things. I think you envision a world where men are hold each other accountable vocally or outwardly because in my experience, I think if you get a premier league job and your boss is banging everybody, you just ignore it and move on. And there's nothing you can do. You're like, whatever I have, I'm coaching a team. Like that's what I can control. Granted, ideally, you wouldn't work for someone like that because a fish always stinks from the head and anybody at the top of an organization always pollutes the rest of the organization. And if you don't know that, uh, you will at some point in your life because it's a fact. But um, I think that Nate wouldn't make it seen or or say anything. Right. Is that you're not. Are you suggesting he should have? No. And actually, when it comes to infidelities, um, my position is almost always to judge as little as humanly possible because I think relationships are complicated and people are messy and even the best spouses have made mistakes. And like, I I try to be as uh, judge less of it as I possibly can. I don't have a problem with him saying it's not my business to judge Rupert for cheating on his wife. It is that he seemed offended that 
he would cheat, that Rupert thought that Nate would cheat was what he was offended about. Like, if this is a thing that you don't like, if this is a thing that you don't respect in him, that's one thing. It was only once Nate realized that Rupert was not going to respect him as the person that he is, that he decided to bail. Like, this isn't actually about Nate's morals. It's Nate doesn't want to cheat on Jade because he loves her. He doesn't want Rupert to think he would cheat on Jade. And because Rupert won't respect him as who he is, he's leaving. Like, this is all entirely uh, about the way that Nate wants Rupert to respect and treat him. This isn't at all about actual morals. That's interesting. So I guess I think I'm tracking that. And it's really interesting to me. I'm wondering if. I forgot the two names, um, but at any oh, rate, well, if so it's did one he, so. woman there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not so bad. <laughs> so it's Kelsey, no Libby, right? So we've got Kelsey and no Libby, and uh, Nate shows up, and it's obvious that later on, Kelsey and Rupert will probably uh, splinter off on their own. You figure, in that case, Nate probably hangs yes. out. It's the fact that there are two women... So he's not bothered by this is what this is. He's bothered. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I, I, I would agree with that. And Mm -hmm. there is also like, if Nate finally comes to the realization that Rupert is never going to respect him for the person that he is and that he doesn't want to become the person that Rupert is. So he has to leave all that. Absolutely. Great by me. Also, I feel like Nate, if the place isn't working for you, you go ahead and bail. That is also fine. I just don't see this as him standing up for anything Uh, the only thing that impacts him yet again is how people view him and if he thinks he is being shown the respect that he deserves you know what yeah i get it i'm cracking and yeah like not at all what i thought and probably not what i would have thought but like as you lay it out i'm like yeah because i'm it's actually not ultimately about jade you're right like, I, I started to make, I mean, it is about his caring about it, but it's more, hey, man, I'm an upstanding yes. guy with a real live girlfriend that people can see. Don't you know that? Um, yeah. yeah. It, that. It's not, the, again, he's not getting to the wrong answer. The right answer is you fucking flee Rupert because he's horrible. It just feels like it's so yeah. through his own self-interest that it isn't, it, I, I'm not going to say he's standing up for any principles. I definitely had a feeling like he was like, oh, shoot, this is the first time I like if I do this, I have I could lose Jade. Like that, like because and the only reason I think that is that looking back, we're going to get to this scene where he actually shows up at Jade's uh, uh, door in a couple like a scene or two from now. And he just grabs her as if he was about to lose her. He didn't say a word. He just grabs her and hugs her. And I'm like, okay, that's a direct line for, holy shit, I almost lost you. Like, through no choice of my own, I could have been in, this could have been in jeopardy. Um, I I don't know that Nate connects this particular dot because he feels, he's still, I mean, there's a realization here around um, Rupert for sure, but some of his cluelessness before this, I think this is also, at least potentially, if, Rupert looking to fuck him up for sure. Like, I don't think this is like, oh, they were going to have this good time together and maybe 
something not good would come out of it for Nate. I think when he said, don't screw this up, and immediately almost thereafter goes, hey, let's hang out. He was like, let me take you out, get you in some trouble, and fuck up your happy life. Oh, there is no, this is like a literal, this is like borderline personality disorder. Like, it's right? Just, it, there's several, there are several disorders. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't think it doesn't look to me like the Rupert's borderline, but, but there are several human conditions where you have an internal feeling and then you try to change your external world to meet your internal feeling that you can't shake. So, so there is an element of that. Uh, undoubtedly, where Rupert is, is absolutely trying to submarine Nate. There's no, there's no question. That's a big motivator. Um, yeah, and fairly common in the world too, which is, it's not restricted to billionaires. It this happens. In, oh yeah, in your families and in uh, all sorts of workplace environments, schools, churches. I mean, you name it, synagogues. Like this happens all the time when someone doesn't someone's internal feeling doesn't match their external world and they're, and they're going to seek even, I mean, mostly unknowingly to, to make the match. Um, we're going to finish up very shortly here, but I'm going to do, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to basically, I'm going to pause before Roy's, Roy's, uh, pu- uh, uh, press conference. I want to start with that next time, but what we're going to do is we'll get to this, uh, you know, the guys are um, toasting. Congratulations, Ted. That's eight wins in a row. Oh, come on now, Trent. You know I don't care about winning or losing. Um, I know the uh, truth is I like only they had to- a little smile off that, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know what I mean? Because it's a joke between them, but it's also true. But now, now he understands what it means for that to be true. It's not that he's an idiot who doesn't understand that there are wins and losses. Yeah, right. I'm glad you you called that out, Coach, because that is like, that is, yes. Yeah. It's funny. Last uh, episode, um, Boss anecdotally referenced how much Ted, money Ted makes. And she's like, he's doing all right. And I looked up what um, uh, Premier League managers make, and the lowest guys make a million and a half a year. That's like the very lowest. That's the number that jumped into my head was a million. But guess who makes the most? Guess which manager? What? Pep, Pep, Pep makes the most. Pep makes nineteen million a year. God damn! Now, Coach, I just want to point out: I have said this for so many years. You are don't do of that caliber of coach, (laughs) and you sit there coaching fucking children without pads on. I'm so sick of you making people better. At a young age, and I'm telling you, go get your money, coach. God damn. I, I would yeah. run through a brick wall for you, and here you are, wasting time, basketball <laughs> and flag football of, of under seven kids. I'm going to gonna bite you through this screen, coach. That's funny. Pep, Pep makes $19 That's million a, lot of a season money, to man. coach soccer. That's a oh. lot of money, baby. That's a oh, lot of money. God. Feels like you're not really saying that I could do that too, though. I'm sure I could coach the Premier League easily. No, no question. I, that, you know, that's a show I would watch. I'll tell you right now. That would that's be so a funny. trip. Uh, talk about a fish out of water story. Yeah. Um, I don't even I, know if this I would when you s- makes it in, but 
Oh, sorry, sorry, boss. No, just, when you said when what? you say trip, you mean down the stairs, though. Like that's the only direction that this is happening. <laughs> I love it. Hey, listen, they're always. I told you the entire world is in, in search of. I think there's a new show called Quarterback. I told you everybody is looking for the next Ted Lasso, and um, who knows where it's going to be. But listen, a, a woman coaching in the Premier League. A woman coaching in the Premier League would be great. Me coaching in the Premier League would be a fucking shit show. That like that's the problem. I don't like managing my direct reports. Like most of the time I'm like, I ah, <laughs> do whatever you need to. We'll figure it out later. It's no problem. Yeah, I can see it. Why are you calling me again? Ah, oh, fine. Um, hi. Yeah, I, yes. I, Hello, human. I, I was so happy when I was not talking to humans. I, so I try to be very kind and helpful. And I say, whenever you need help with anything, feel free. Let me know. I'm I am here to make your job easier. And then when that son of a bitch actually calls me, I'm like, ah, oh, come on. I already gave you the speech about just believing in yourself. Believe in yourself. Damn it. I already Ted lassoed you with my lies. Yes. I went to the trouble of lying for you. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm out of index cards. So <laughs> I flipped the last page on my, uh, my, my calendar. My... my... Inspiration a day calendar, so I don't know what to tell you, but please lose this number. Um, no, the truth is, the only way I could be happier if, is if my arm were covered in barbecue sauce. How are you feeling about the wind streak, Roy? No way. Oh, no, no. Sorry. It was, that was Trent. How are you Trent, feeling yeah. about the wind streak, Roy? No way. Do not come near me with that shit. Uh, you never talk about a streak. My parents, my grandparents were happily married for years because they never said a fucking word to each other. <laughs> scram. He says scram and it's totally fine. In the same mm-hmm. way as you know, things have developed. Ah, men are so wonderful. <laughs> I, I love it. I can flip you off and tell you scram. That's how you know I love you. That's it. That's it. It's a better way. It's a better way. Instead of worrying about all the problems and Oh man, women are so complicated with their goddamn abortion pills and their, oh, you know, don't cheat on me with Leslie and Katie or whatever the hell, Kelsey and, you know, right? Am I right? right. Oh, wait, sorry, that was to me. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Sorry, I couldn't. <laughs> my, a little bout of verbal diarrhea. My single there. lady brain couldn't keep up. Ah, uh, anyway, so um, well done, gentlemen. Congrats. Uh, another one. Oh boy, Higgins is hitting us with his DJ Khaled impression. Nice. And what does he say, Coach? Who? Yeah, parallel thinking. Apparently so. I'd like. Uh, I yeah, that was quick little joke, but I enjoyed it. I don't think we do parallel thinking uh, jokes enough on on this uh, podcast, Coach. I think that feels like something that you would have in your arsenal. But you don't really say parallel thinking very much. Yeah, I'll look. I'll look into it. Yeah, it'd be better than you quoting Stoic philosophy all the time. You fucking snob. (laughs) (laughs) So then I said, "Amor fati." (laughs) All right. Uh, you can take the boy out of Yale, but you cannot right, take right, right, right. Um, so the press is ready for you, Ted. It's a big one. Um, that's what the lady from the American Office said. Did you get that joke? 
I did, and I really enjoyed it. That's what she said, being the, the office joke, the standing. That's what she uh, said. That was really good. I, I enjoyed that. I felt like that was like a, a 1% joke. I felt mm-hmm. like not a lot of people are going to enjoy this, but those who do are going to really enjoy it. There was a thinker. There was a thinker. Did you okay, not? Right. Is it too much of a thinker for you? I get how it could be. It was. It was. It was a lot. It's pretty didn't, damn didn't good if it lands. It's just like I'm. I apologize for my father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I apologize for for my dad mm-hmm. or whatever. Like if, if it lands, it, it it is a slow clap. Um, and if it doesn't, it's it's still fine. Um, I'll be right there. Okay. Um, and that's where we're gonna stop because I really want to have time to to drink the marrow of the roy kent press conference um this has been a delight to share this with all of our listeners and all of our buttercups and friends all around the world we're so happy that we had um coach come back to Mm -hmm. us after being away he really is the heart and soul of the show coach thank you for making time on your birthday that was uh above and beyond this is fun thank you guys Love the buttercups. We do. We love them. Uh, And um, what we are going to do is pick up next time from this point. Um, Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? You can check out the podcast, Unstuck AF, available wherever you catch your podcasts. And uh, I did did a... I pretended to be you saying that last time. Oh, you know, you, if you don't listen to the whole thing, you got to at least have. I'm planning on listening. I think it just, I think it just <laughs> hit. I'm yeah. looking to see it. Yeah, it just, it just dropped a little while ago. Um, uh, and boss, where do people find you? Not that anyone would, but oh god, no. <laughs> um, still on Twitter as of now at uh, dumbly underscore chambers, and I promise actually writing something. I think something about Seth Meyers and Bill Hader and Jason Sudeikis. I'm going to try to get out today before I go make myself sad at a concert. Um, and that is uh, The Antagonist at antagonistblog.com. Okay. In the meantime, I hope everyone uh, supports their local libraries. I hope that everyone um, supports the written word, the writers and actors on strike. Um, and take a, take a shot at... Um, Looking at the Women's World Cup that is happening right now, the I, I've been raving about it, and it is so much fun. And I will say that the opening match was so inspirational to watch. It was um, New Zealand, which is one of the home nations. New Zealand and uh, Australia are hosting this year. New Zealand opened up against Norway. And Norway is just like this who's who of superstar international players <laughs> like it's like oh this person's the captain of chelsea this person's on arsenal this person's on manchester united this but you just go or, or wolfsburg or bayern or, or any one of the top teams in the world just loaded with all these norway players who just look like giants and they were taking on new zealand in the opening game host nation new zealand captained by uh, los angeles born ali riley who is absolute sweetheart she's like the mo- nicest person on the planet and she was taking her job so seriously, captaining the the they called the football ferns is the nickname for the New Zealand team. They have had 15 games before this one in international World Cup play, and they've never won. It was, they were ze- they were zero, twelve, and three, and they opened up against this just thunderclap of a team, Norway, who is just absolutely. Uh, every single projection doesn't matter how you did it. AI or uh, analyst or any other way had had 
uh, New Zealand getting squashed. And they came out and they played the best game I've ever seen any team from New Zealand ever play. And they beat Norway one to nothing. And it could have been more. But like it was like the scrappiest play. And so I had prepped for the game saying, I'm going to say all the names of these Norway players, uh, Freedom Manum and um, uh, Kaelon Graham Hansen. And uh, you name it. There's, all, there's so many players on Norway that are superstars. And in, instead, I kept saying CJ Bott, a player I had never heard of before that day. And, and uh, Steinmetz, a player I'd never heard of. These midfielders for... Uh, New Zealand, who ne- just refused to stop running. And they laid it all out on the field, and they won their first international victory in the World Cup at home in front of 42,000 fans, the biggest uh, audience in the history to ever watch a, a women's game in uh, New Zealand. And I get all choked up because, oh, my God, that is the power of sport. It is so beautiful. And and then I'm watching with my daughter. We had to get up at 3.30 in the morning to watch this game. And I'm watching with my daughter, and I'm like, Allie Riley's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna ball. Like, as soon as it's done, she is gonna start crying. And she, of course, is just crazy waterworks. And she's the loveliest person. And you just get so into it because you're like, this is so well earned. Like, there is no way this team should have beat mighty Norway. And they took them down, and it was, it was just, you know, and it's great for Norway too, because I don't think Norway's gonna lose. It was like that kind of wake up call where you're like, oh man. We better get our act together because, you know, and just because they beat them doesn't mean Norway's out. Uh, There's still a long road. But but I just think, man, it is so beautiful. It's so powerful. Uh, Women's soccer has come so far in this world. And this is going to be the best Women's World Cup ever. And so I urge people, please tune in if you get a chance, um, because, man, it is worth it. It is so fucking great. And with that, I say. Thank you for for that as a public service announcement, um, and, and I, I, yeah, I just think I think it's it's wonderful. Um, uh, we we love you all. We thank you for listening. Um, and until next time, we are. Ready to die. <laughs> coach said he was going to fuck it up on. It's his birthday, so he gets. Happy I birthday, coach. coach! You get to do thank it, you. Get to do whatever you want, coach. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll see everybody next time. The TEDcast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.